Hello, everyone. I'm Nick, and this is Chris. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap here on November the 4th of 2020. Chris, it's good to see you, man. It's good to see you, Nick. It's good to see your smiling face, although you rarely smile. It's usually I don't a, usually smile a lot. Yeah. I've got uh, my, my wonderful girlfriend, Nicole, refers to it as that I have resting murder face. Uh, yeah, so. I could see that. Like, uh, who would they get to cast you in the movie? I'm trying to think who would be like that person. Maybe like one of the, like uh, Bill Skarsgård or something like that. Someone where you're just like, mm, this is an unsettling face. Uh, but then you get to know them and they're utterly charming. Yeah. Yeah. He was the guy who played uh, Pennywise, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 Everything that I've heard about him uh, for in, in the time he was working on that movie, apparently he was very lovely. Oh, so. yeah. I think my favorite is like I, I you could just see like two screenshots of essentially him and Bill Hader on set Dang and like the, and like the, he does that and like the instant response is Bill Hader like ah like it, it seems kind of legitimate too yeah every so often I stop and I think about how perfectly cast Inside Out was with all of the emotions where you're just like. Yeah, of course, Phyllis from The Office should have been sadness and, and right. Lewis Black should have been anger. And I'm always like, was Bill Hader right for for fear? And then I'm like, yeah, absolutely. As yeah. you get to know him, you're like, yeah, he was perfect for fear. That was really like a five out of five casting for those emotions. Bill Hader and God, what a movie that would have been to 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 like get to participate in with those two. <laughs> like, oh, <geez>. yeah. <laughs> Chris, we have a lot of manga to talk about today. Yes, we do. We hit one of those weeks where a bunch of our regular series hit at once. We've got a number of things to discuss. We don't have a recommendation this week. I've got one all picked out, but you you have chosen that we are not going to reveal it until the end of the episode. There was so a, there was an opportunity at the start, and I said, no, make them wait. Yeah, I could have I could have revealed it before the show started recording, and then it was like people were like, well, what was it then? And I was like, no, no, you missed your chance, yeah. but. Because you know what America needs right now, Nick, is more is, is, waiting, more anticipation for things. <laughs> Not to date the episode, it's it's the Wednesday after the first Tuesday of November on a year divisible by four. That's all I'm going to say. We're going mm-hmm. so for those of you who aren't listening to this, like in the near future, people are kind of going through a lot of stress right now. We're going to help you guys forget about that and just think about. Stupid things like yeah. manga. So, did you know this week calories don't count at all? Like they just don't. <laughs> I, I I went into my app and they said you could have candy bars at night, and that's what I'm gonna do now because it just doesn't it doesn't count this week. So fucking go at it. I don't stress eat very much, but yesterday I had like a peanut butter sandwich and Cheetos, and <laughs> I and I drank a soda. And then after after a bit, my stomach bothered me, so I took some Tums. And then a little bit after that, um, I, my stomach was like, Nick, you need to stop doing this. And I'm like, oh, this, you know, this this bag of Skittles is good. <laughs> <laughs> this bag of Skittles is going to eat itself. I I have been the opposite. I was the opposite yesterday. I ate almost nothing yesterday. Mm-hmm. And now today, my body is just like... Yeah, you ate so little yesterday. You could have like four candy bars. Remember when you went into the store at Target earlier today and you found they had white fudge covered Oreos? You could have like seven of those. And I'm like, that sounds like a plan, my man. But this week where it doesn't count, I could dig it. It was, uh, yeah, it's um, it's not a very health- healthy way. Nope, it's liberating. This. It's free this week, Nick. Stop criticizing it. All right. 
We have a lot of manga to discuss. Uh-huh. And I came to a revelation. Um, so I, 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 I've read all the chapters this week. Very rarely do I actually go into an episode with the manga recap not having read one of the chapters. Usually it's because Crunchyroll didn't update it or uh, in very special cases like, well, Nick, this Food Wars bonus chapter came out only today. And uh, it's funnier if you don't react to it. So I'm like, all right, fine. Um, but this week, I gave the people the option. They could decide if I was going to actually review everything or would just remember stuff as I read through it. They chose the latter. And I remember as I'm staring at the first page of this chapter of we, of My Hero Academia, what happens in it. And I came to a bit of a revelation about how this series has been going in general. Uh-huh. And uh, I think we'll get into it when we get to the end of the chapter, but it's not a very good revelation <laughs> I had, unfortunately. Aww. So. It's number 289, Miss Candid and Miss Shutaway. Uh, so we get a flashback at the beginning of this episode to see that Ida uh, broke off from Nejure uh, in order to not broke off from Nejure. He went off along with Nejure to try and find the group that had gone to go and fight Shigaraki because, of course, Todoroki had split off from them and Deku had and Bakugo had and this weird staggered pattern so that all the important characters were over there. And uh, they got in contact to say like, hey, those of you can fly past this message on to get the heroes fighting near the hospital. And of course, Nedure can fly. And he is like, I'm going to. And they're like, you can't. Oh, oh, he run fast. It's like That makes sense. And he basically explains to Nedure the reason he's coming along is like, yeah, three of my classmates ran off, and they might be dead. <laughs> but also, you know, he he and uh, Todoroki and Deku went through all that stuff with Stain, so he feels an obligation to do right by them and stuff. Yeah. Things aren't looking good for Bakugo and, De- and Deku. No. They not. are very beat up. And Todoroki- apparently uh, Shigaraki has become the bad guy from Wild Wild West, and he's a giant spider now. Yes, and uh, All for One is trying to crawl out of his face, and he's arguing with himself over what to do next, because Shigaraki doesn't want to retreat, and All for One does want them to. Uh, not Todoroki. Uh, Shigaraki doesn't want them to. All for One wants them to retreat. Nedre shows up and fires a blast. Ida shows up to help out uh, everyone, and they deliver the message. Oh, there's this gigantic villain making its way over. Uh of course, Deku is like, well, I've got to stay here and keep fighting. But Todoroki is like, get get the injured people out of here because they're really hurt. Um, but Deku's like, no. Uh, Todoroki is squaring off now against Chigaraki. His flame starts to kick in. We cut then over to Uraraka, who is still scuffling with Toga. Uh, they do some kind of pointless trash talk for a little bit. Toga goes on reiterating some stuff that she has said about her motivations recently about how um, when she loves people, she wants to become them and she gets really emotional. And then she recaps what happened during the villain arc where she went up against uh, the um, tabloid journalist girl. And she said, yeah, this one nasty lady said my normal was sad and miserable. And then she tried to kill me. So you know what I did? I used your blood and your quirk to drop her from way up high. Drinking the blood of someone I love gives me their quirk, too. I was so happy when it happened. And Toga, of course, upsets Uraka by saying this because she's like, if 
I would never do that. I would never be happy about sending someone plumbing to their death. What what the hell is that? Then uh, Toga kind of takes out this little charm that she had swiped off of Uraraka's utility belt during their scuffle. It's the All Might charm that uh, Deku got for her as a gift. And of course, Uraraka's upset about this. And so I was like, oh, this is precious to you, huh? Well, Jean was like a precious big brother to me. We're the same because I know you like Izuku. I've always felt that. So Izuku must have given this to you, right? That makes us the same. She's crazy. It's okay. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> so Uraka is just trying to ignore all this because she realizes like this is all just distracting me. So she fires out a bunch of the grappling hook things. Uh, at a bunch of furniture that she touched during one of their tussles, floats it all up in the air and then just kind of sends them all crashing forward. It's just like Deku, Chris. You know, uh-huh. the way that he uses Black Whip on things. Yeah, Uraraka did a thing that Deku does. Yay. Yeah, it's so, very cool. So she launches these things at Toga. They, it, 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 it doesn't work because um, she, like, cuts the cords with her knives and they don't hit her, I guess. Wait, uh, hold on. Were you saying Uraraka was worthless? So Uraraka <laughs> fires the things at Toga. She slashes the ropes, I think, and they kind of just land around her. And Uraraka says, if you're going to live as you please and threaten people, then you also have to live with the consequences. And now Toga has this kind of, I guess, torn look on her face because she's like smiling, but she's also tearing up. And she's like, that's what I thought. Well, thanks for that. Bye. Uh, she takes out a bunch of knives, presumably to try and throw them at Uraraka, but suddenly Suyu's tongue shoots out from a doorway and Froppy arrives on the scene and, um, stuff goes kadoom and Toga vanishes because I don't know. She's gone. (laughs) (laughs) I I assume the kadoom in my mind, I was like, oh, like Gigantomachia ran through nearby but then we see he's at the fight or like coming towards the other fights. So I'm like, maybe the proximity is supposed to be there or maybe like the washing machine just spontaneously exploded and they're like, ah, damn it. She got away when that happened. I think some of the stuff Uraraka was throwing just happens to hit the ground, but I don't know because I don't know. Debris falls. Toga disappears. So he's like, she might be trying to ambush and Uraraka's like, no, no, she ran. Then uh, more radio signals happen about the giant villain approaching. Uraka is left to think about what the hell Toga said about them both liking Deku. And Toga's like, we like the same boy, so I thought we could confide in each other about love. I'm going back to the League. My confusion's cleared away. And Uraka's like, why was she crying? Uh, And then we cut over to Shigaraki, and uh, he's uh, preparing to fight against Todoroki when suddenly all of the ground... Goes, Nick, I have a question about the earlier scene. Does it does it pass the Bechdel test if two women are talking about a guy, but then a third girl comes in and they talk about the one girl who was involved who was also talking to them about a boy? I think technically, yes. Okay, there we go. We passed it, Nick. My hero, not sexist anymore. (laughs) Feminism wins. So... The newer heroes that showed up at the Shigaraki fight look like they're going to attack Shigaraki, but then the ground goes kaboom as Gigantamaki arrives. And immediately we do get a pretty cool two-page spread of all the different people who are around reacting to stuff. So, you know, Gigantamaki is going, bah, 
and Shigaraki is still looking messed up. A bunch of the heroes look very, very concerned. But my favorite bit of the whole thing is Dobby is doing like a Jojo pose for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) He's very excited. Yeah, it's like, what? What is this? Um, so my revelation, Chris, is so being this confused about my hero academia is the roughly the level of confusion I've been having about one piece for approximately this entire fight, uh, while they've been at Kaido's Island. And it occurred to me, oh, Christmas just feel this way all the time about my hero academia. So there is, you know how there was that whole episode where you're like, I don't know who X Drake is. This, I, this, you, you keep telling me this is a person who's important and I'm just going to believe you. I had that moment when Nezure showed up here. Cause the only thought I could have in my mind is like, remember when WWE pushed Vladimir Kozlov and it was like, he's going to fight the undertaker. And it was supposed to be a big deal. And kind of mm. everyone who was watching was like, I don't think this no. is, I don't, I don't think this is, <laughs> this is not, we don't have the same connection to this person as you think we do. And I had the exact same. I was like, why is Nezure in all these thoughts? Who cares? <laughs> like, I was like, so she showed up to do nothing again. I presume. There is a brief moment that I kind of just kind of skipped over because it's in a very uh, easy to miss panel where she sees Ryukyu being escorted away and that's her mentor. So Mm -hmm. she's concerned for her and it's like, that's nice. But like, you know, it would be different if, uh, you know, fat gum had gotten beaten up in this fight and then sun eater had that same reaction and it has nothing to do with, oh, well, Fakum is just better than Ryukyu, although he is. It has to do with we went through all that stuff in that arc that introduced Fakum that showed you the bond that he had with his, uh, you know, his agents. Uh, you know, we saw how much he cared about Sun Eater. We saw how much he cared about uh, Kirishima when Kirishima got the shit beaten out of him. And so he stood up and thinned himself out and punched Rappa. Uh, but... The only thing stuff that we got with Ryukyu was, well, they took off one. They took out one villain in like two pages when they were introduced. And then they were just over there during that entire thing with the the bullets. And I know that at the beginning of this arc, I gave praise to, hey, we're familiar with these students in class 1A. So when a little moment happens like the, hey, Kaminari and Jiro care about each other and they're worried about each other in this fight, that was good. But My Hero Academia's cast is much wider than just those 20 students. So there are some things that are going on that we should care about that we don't because we haven't been given enough reason to. So there's the stuff with Nezure. There's the kind of confusing stuff going on with Toga and Uraraka because they've had like scuffles with each other a few times, but it's never seemed like they had a real thing going on between them. It always seemed very one-sided from Toga's uh, direction because she was just the girl that Uraraka fought when the League of Villains first showed up. Not first showed up, but first showed up after Dabi and Toga uh, mm-hmm. were with them and they attacked them during the training trip. So it really seems like there's a lot of stuff that's being like, okay, you know, You've been following this for a long time, and I'm just counting on you to remember all these little things and then just care about every single one of them. So it's 
it really seems like there's a lot of more stuff going on as we're getting more into presumably the climax of this arc, because now the League of Villains is basically all reunified together again, minus Toga, who's not there yet and twice who's dead. But that means like, OK, well, from here, there's got to be something that happens, meaning either there will that there's got to be some sort of a scuffle that happens here and then there's going to be a result from it. There's no more moving parts that you have yeah. to keep track of. Everything is gathering to one place. Things are finishing up and there are certain there are a bunch of facets of it. that are now becoming clear because characters are being taken out of the battle. They're no longer involved. Other characters are. And those other characters. I don't feel a lot about what's going on with a lot of them. Yeah. So. I mean, I, so like the Toka Uraraka part, I'm like, it's fine. It has a couple moments I like. I actually do legitimately like the moment where she like brings up how she she basically murdered that reporter dude using her power. And she's like, oh, I got it because I drank the blood of someone I love and it gives me their quirk. I was so happy when it happened. But then the conversation doesn't kind of continue from there. Like Uraraka's response is like, I don't get what you mean. What What is the point of that? Like, why, why are you what's the mm-hmm. physical point of you saying that? And you're like kind of ends that interesting line of conversation and then just moves to like, but we both love Deku. And I'm like, look, I don't, I don't know if Horikoshi feels that he has like a, a red hot romance in this series, but it's not there. Uh, it's just one of those kind of standard shonen battle manga romances where you're like, it's there and I'm sure shippers have fun with it, but I'm certainly never going to call my hero a romance series. So the fact that there's kind of this issue there is just like a, a, a non, you know, zero sum situation basically and then i said like nedgeri showing up it's not that inherently she's a bad character or anything like that i'm just like why is she here now other than as it feels like to be a reaction face that isn't bloodied basically like you know i kind of get trying to find something for ingenium to do and i'm like as somebody who likes ida i'm like cool he's there even though i feel kind of the same way like what's the point of you showing up now i guess um, and I guess maybe there's just part of me that's like, they better not fucking end this with the League of Villains just picking up Shigaraki and being like, we'll get you next time. Like, if they just leave them, I'm, I, there's a point where I might be like, we might have to take a month off of my hero for me to, like, get over it. Because that would be the most infuriating I don't, I don't thing. think that'll be it. Dobby clearly wants to kill some heroes. Yeah. So, um, and Shigaraki doesn't want to leave yet. And I don't think that anyone who would... I don't think that anyone other than skeptic really wants to just leave as soon as they get back together. So I think that we're going to at least see some fighting, but yeah. yeah. Um, to go into the toga thing a bit, I know that part of the point is just that to play into, she is just kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, and obviously it makes sense. that rock is confused by a lot of the things that she's saying, because she wasn't around during that whole thing that Toga had during the villain arc, where we learned about her backstory and we learned how the depths of her emotions had unlocked a new ability in her quirk and gotten more insight into how she felt towards the heroes. And we had, and she has been present during the conversations she's had with other people that have her given these conflicting thoughts. And so then when Toga is upset and she cries and runs off, of course, the rock is like, what was that about? But I feel like this could very easily be made a little bit better by just having Araka be more confused by what's going on, like play into the whole thing. Like, what are you talking about? I, I don't what you know, just like, yeah, 
play into that because as is it do, it really does just keep saying seem like oh this is like a rivalry i guess that feels underdeveloped which you know i know that's part of the point but play into it more at least no i i completely agree it feels like if you're gonna make that our character trait if you if you dig into it a little bit more it makes it more evident otherwise it just feels like toga's not making sense and Uraraka's like stop that I don't like that and you're like that doesn't make a great conversation basically yeah it's like when we went over Time Paradox Ghost Rider and as I reiterated on the most recent edition of Jump Date which you can check out on my YouTube look <laughs> up Nick, Nick of Time Jump Date Fall 2020 but um, Time Paradox Ghost Rider was trying to do a lot of different things and because of that it never really seemed to kind of actually dig down into like there was like it would bring up things that were immediately surface level. Oh, that's interesting. I want to see that explored. And then it would kind of just do a bunch of those. And before it really dug into any of them, it was over. So it never got to actually hit deeply on a point that it probably could have eventually, but that it would have definitely if it had just stuck to it and done that. And it's like that with this, where there's a whole lot of things going on and you're just kind of entrusting people to just say like, Oh yes, I connect with that when it's like if you spent a little bit more time on a few different ones, you would get more people to more easily connect with them. So quality and over quantity sometimes. So let's move on, though, to Kaiju number eight, chapter 15. We see that the cleanup crew is kind of from a long distance observing the damage. Uh, They're watching the action uh, from, you know, with binoculars from a nearby rooftop and stuff. Uh, Of course, someone brings up that the newbie is missing because, of course, we know that the newbie is the flat headed uh, man sized kaiju guy who goes over to look at some of the uh, Honju that have been defeated while uh, Ichikawa and uh, the other guy who's with them are like, what the hell are you doing here? And he's digging through bodies and stuff. He's like, oh, man. Want them to, you know, have this to outwit them with this Yoju variant that could split off from itself. Should I revive them? Now, I can only do that so much. And eventually they're just like, what are you doing here? (laughs) (laughs) And the guy looks at them and he's this very tall guy with slicked back hair. And uh, they're trying to warn him, like, this is this place isn't safe. And he points his finger over at the second guy and his finger bulges out and he shoots something at him. And uh, it's a bad time. Yeah. It blows a hole in him. <laughs> so, of course, we saw this same thing happen to. Uh, oh, gosh, I've forgotten her name all of a sudden. Shinomiya? Something like that. But yeah. Um, and he basically has done the same thing uh, here. And now my uh, viz is frozen for me. So I have to basically recite from memory what happened. So. Fighting happens. Yep. The Ikikawa, guy. He turns into a full, like, full on kaiju. Right. Uh, so he's got the flat headed appearance. He's revealed. So Ichikawa is trying to help the other recruit guy to get away and uh, basically uh, tells him to go get help. Right. It's, yeah. It's also worth noting that Ichikawa recognizes this is the humanoid type from back at the testing ground. So this is this is the mm-hmm. exact same one that she fought previously. So it seems like he would stand no chance because Mm -hmm. this thing is very powerful. Fortunately, he received important information, 
when they were at that diner, apparently a lot of very important information yeah. was shared. So, <laughs> which was that the humanoid kaiju has a tell, uh, which is that his finger swells up when he points just before he can fire. So Ichikawa was able to use that to pr- predict when and where he's going to fire an instant before it happens. So he's able to avoid taking a lethal attack from this. He's still getting hit because the guy's shooting a gun at him, basically. But he's able to just take grazing injuries instead of getting holes thrown through his chest uh, like the uh, other guy did. Um, also, in order to get help, basically, they have to go get it. Yeah. Because the guy is just jamming their radio communications. So that's bad. Um, Iharu, other recruit guy, uh, Ichigawa tells him to, you know, get away. Ichigawa saves his ass from getting a hole blown in him because he's too busy screaming. Yeah, back. he's like, I don't want to be saved by you because he's he's he has his fragile masculinity challenged because he was one of the people that recognized he was getting surpassed earlier. So he's like, no, I've been training for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so things aren't going well for them. Uh, but eventually uh, Ichigawa gets his gun out and, and you know, he's like, listen. Iharu, you have to go, please. And he goes off, and Ichigawa was like, this is bad, this is scary, this thing took down Shinami of all people, I don't stand a chance against it, but the kind of officer I strive to be is one who can lay his life on the line to protect one of his own at a time like this. And of course he thinks about when Kafka first saved him, way back at the beginning of the series, and uh, you know, put his life on the line just to buy him some time. And so... This is it. He's, you know, getting he's, you know, activating his suits and and getting all pumped up and trying to fight this thing for as long as he can. So, yep. Uh, So I I, there was a bit of a discussion in the discord this week about this. Uh, There's the moment where, you know, Reno is dodging a couple shots and and, uh, the kaiju is just like, hey, how can you keep dodging him? And then he is like, you can see my shots. And in that shot. You can see Reno's eyes have like uh like sort of like that extra ring layer around it. We've seen it a couple different times throughout the series. People yeah, have kind of gone. <laughs> well, people are starting to wonder if that is meant to be actually a thing in the series because we saw it, I think, two weeks ago or like three weeks ago when there was the chapter where uh ichimaru whatever guy i forget his name the the vice captain basically said like there's only one other person who has real potential in this class and it's reno and Mm -hmm. in that shot with reno he also has the eyes it doesn't it might just be a stylistic thing that shows when characters get are really fucking serious they get that eyes but it is something that's kind of worth knowing that we're now seeing this consistency um yeah it might be a stylistic choice but it could have meaning you never know with manga yeah you never know uh, as for the chapter itself, this chapter is awesome. I, I love that Reno, I, I kind of mentioned before that Reno had suddenly started to become really cool and memorable to me. And this is a great chapter mm-hmm. to showcase that. Doesn't need any of the other cast, really. He has the, the one other dude who they did establish has an issue with the fact that Reno's becoming very talented very quickly. So I like that that follow-up is there. But just the fact that Reno looks good without curb stomping the seriousness of the situation he's dodging these shots but he's still taking hits he he can't do this forever but it, it, it's one of those very effective ways of making both characters look very cool so you really do want to see how this ends yeah, yeah. I, I, it's it's cool yeah all right chris let's go over to spy family 
Mission 36. So uh, at Anya's school, there is a bulletin posted that uh, the Imperial Scholar get-togethers are beginning soon. Damien and his and his uh, cronies are checking out this announcement. Um, but uh, they're like, oh, well, that doesn't really have anything to do with us yet. Um, and they walk off. Anya is watching them from around the corner because she's thinking about Lloyd's uh, mission and how she's like, OK, I've got to be an imperial scholar so we can go to those fancy meetings. But the thing is, I've given up on earning eight <laughs> stars. I do like the proud. <laughs> I've given up. <laughs> this determined, stern look on her face like, I've given up on that hard shit. <laughs> Because she acknowledges, like, my learning is not getting better. I'm not getting better at sports. So I've started to get really discouraged. So that leaves plan B, befriending Scion Boy. And as Damien's walking by, of course, he and his friends see her weirdly looking at them and, and like, with narrowed eyes from around the corner. And they're like, stop staring at us. (laughs) And so she's like, and that plan isn't going well. So she's like, oh, so frustrated. And Becky's there. And she's like, I'm also frustrated seeing you like this. Oh, I know how you feel. And your love is so hard to communicate. And so I just has like this, like, let's see. I love Papa. I love Mama. I love Peanuts. I love Bond. I love cartoons. The Scion Boy. No, 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 just that is. She has to, like, do all the mental calculations. Like, well, these are all things I love. Yeah, what do I... Nah, nah, that's not it. Nah. So, Becky, of course, is the shipper on deck. So she's like, I'll make him, help him make you make him fall for you because boys are easily fooled by outward appearances. So we got to get you all cute and he'll fall head over heels for you. So this weekend, you and I are going shopping. That's right. It's an Anya and Becky chapter, which we haven't really had before. Becky's no. featured in some of the school life chapters, but this is a really big Becky chapter. So, yeah. Um, and we get like little, uh, looks at, uh, Becky's attendant, I guess we'll call her, uh, this, her sha- or her chaperone, I guess, uh, this, uh, older woman named Martha, who's like, you know, is driving them to the store. Uh, Beck, apparently Becky went to pick Anya up from her apartment and she was really upset that Lloyd wasn't there. So, yep. So, um, God damn it. My computer's frozen again. So, so Lloyd saw this as a great opportunity because of course, Becky's family is also uh, very prominent. And so he's like, well, if you make friends with them, I could have great benefits. So yeah, sure. Take the spending money. Um, and Anya's just thinking to herself, how many peanuts can I buy? With <laughs> this is very similar to money can buy many peanuts. <laughs> yeah. Like. But uh, of course, Becky reminds her, we're going shopping for clothes. Becky is a, like a VIP customer at the place that they go to at this boutique with fancy clothing. So the entire department's been like rented out by her. All of these store attendants are there to greet her. They're all lined up. The way that the wealthy live is ridiculous. I, one of those kind of things. I, just, I don't know why I'm so amused because you you said like the driver's name, I guess, is Martha. And, I think so. Well, it's just the fact that if you say Martha, immediately people in the chat start Martha. making bath and Superman references. Why'd you say that name? 
Oh, is there my maid's name is named Martha? Is your maid name Martha? Is there a dumber twist in fucking in movie history than both Batman and Superman's mothers have the same name? Uh, yes. Uh, this movie is now a, a mini series. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it just is now. <laughs> so. Also, there's the note that because Anya's like, how much money did you bring? And she's like, oh, I never bring money. anymore. <laughs> she's just so rich. You don't need to. Uh, but she's like, look, we're going to go through this store and we're going to find you a look that even Damien can't resist. And we get what starts off as like one of those. It, it's kind of like so it's done in the style of like, oh, it's, you know, it's the it's the Anya line. Uh, yeah. And, you know, so she's like a fashion model. But it's basically like going into the dressing room and trying on all the outfits, one of those kind of montages. Uh-huh. And so at first it's like, oh, look at Anya and all these cute outfits. And there are some that I think are actually very adorable. Uh, and there's also a couple of, of cute references here and there that uh, are pretty easy to spot. Uh, there's one where she looks a hell of a lot like Chun Li. There's one where she looks like Madeline, uh, which is called a schoolboy look, but that straw hat just makes me think of Madeline. Anyway. I was gonna say you have to you have to tag yourself. Which which Anya are you, Nick? I'm space. Yeah, I'm space age ensemble Anya. Uh, f- you to me feel like a. A classic conservative Anya. I could see that. That yeah. looks comfy. Yeah. I don't think I would wear that hat, though. So. No. There'd be no hat. Nick is never for stupid hats of any kind. I wish I had Honestly, I, I wish go. I had a really dumb hat I could have slid on at that moment. I'd, I'd sooner go for the moth wings Anya look instead of the stupid hat. So No, that's fair. Go big or go home, really. But yeah, as time goes on, it just gets weirder and weirder. So it gets into like, oh, yeah, I've seen like fashion models wear that stuff. And then you you get into like, oh, she just looks like a punk who, who has a tricycle instead of a motorcycle. And then it's like, what is that? Why is there a, a cow on the front? And then it gets into, is there an Anya underneath all of this? <laughs> I, I very part because it's doing like the thing, as you said, where it's like a fashion montage, like work it, girl, work it, looking good, looking good. And then as it gets weirder, Becky, like, yeah, that's right. Break out of that shell, invent yourself. And then it gets weirder. She's like, all right, go back in that shell a little bit. And I love that phrasing of it. All right, back into that shell. We've broken too far out. At the end of it, Anya's just like, fashion is hard. <laughs> But then she and then like it's like, oh man, how are we supposed to narrow down our options when we don't know what Damien likes? Then Nani's like, wait a minute, I wear I wear the same clothes at school every day. <laughs> but Becky does bring up the point of like, well, yeah, but the halls throw parties at the end of the term, and so the teacher allows you can go in street clothes, so there will be a chance to to do that. Oh, and if the parties are open to parents, then Mike could be there. We don't have time to waste on you. I'm going to get What is your dad like? That's to seduce him from this hussy of a wife. That's the best part of like, why the fuck are we wasting time with your thing? I need to be figuring out what I'm going to wear. So it starts off as like, oh, I'm so cute. And then it's like, oh, no, I'm high fashion. And now, now I'm sexy. And now I'll just, or maybe I'll just dress like his current wife. <laughs> like, you're getting into like, honey, you need to stop. You need- <laughs> yeah, this is not becoming a thing. You need to, it was like a, a cute crush. Now it's like, I need to talk to your parents about this. 
So eventually she casts off the last outfit and she's like, eh, I don't even know. I'll just take him off. <laughs> Being rich is great, man. <laughs> so then she's like, all right, let's go check out the shoes. And we get a, just a, you know, a very brief montage of them going to try on shoes, going to try on hats, going to try on sunglasses, looking around the store. And then they go to the cafe to rest a bit and they... <laughs> With it, it pans over and Martha's just like, Madam, you've bought too much. And she's just hidden behind all the boxes. And Becky's like, Martha, where are you? Um, Becky asks, have you even bought anything? And I was like, I don't even know what I want. Fashion is hard. But then Becky asks her, did you have fun shopping? And he's like, I had so much fun. Her face lights up. It's the first time I've gone shopping with a friend. Uh, and Becky's you know, really startled and pleased by this. So she's like, let's get back to it. And there was this nice little shot of Martha's, you know, just there chaperoning them. And she's, you know, kind of sitting back and, and just, you know, smiling that, that her little mistress is having a good time. Uh, they go into another store and Anya spots some charms uh, on display. And she's like, Oh, where are these sheep? It's the department store's mascot. So she's like, well, I, I want to buy that. And Becky's like, what a keychain!" And Be- and Anya says, well, this way I won't forget our, our shopping trip together. And Becky thinks, well, I guess I should, too. Um, but she remembers her father, you know, teaching her the ways of being proper in high society, saying, I don't want you wearing anything less than the finest. But Anya buys her a keychain, too, and gives it to uh, her as a gift. And Becky's confused by this, but Martha is there to tell her to spurn a kind gesture of friendship would be to sully the Black Bell name. I'm certain your father would say the same. So Becky's like, well, fine, I guess I'll accept it. Then it's kind of embarrassing. Uh, then they drive back and they're like, why don't we go shop again? Oh, I forgot. <laughs> they're six year olds. Like, what were you going to do? The two of them are snoozing in the back of the limo as Martha drives them home. Anya has a Martha. big thing of peanuts. Yeah, good for her. So Martha has a flashback to when Becky was even younger. And was being you know bratty to some other kids, and they were like being upset. She's being mean, and Becky's like, "Well, what's wrong with me calling you the brats? They are brats." And she's you know always turning her nose up at all these things. Oh, Eden Academy. Uh, I can't believe this. Going to an awful school. And Martha there saying, "You know, madam, I know you think you have it all figured out, but understanding that you don't is the first step toward growing up." And of course, when she got back from school that day, she was like, there's this funny girl in my class, so maybe school won't be so bad. And uh, Martha's looking back at them, snoozing in the back. And the present, she says, I'm happy for you, madam. They get back home. And Lloyd's looking at Anya's new keychain. And he's like, these things cost like a thousand dollars. But then they go to school the next day and they each get the keychain dangling from their school bags and they're happy together. And they're just smiling together. And as they're just walking through the courtyard, smiling, Damien spots the two of them all happy together. And he starts to get a little blush. So their shopping trip to get Damien's attention worked out after all. This was a very cute chapter. (laughs) It's it's a very adorable chapter. I do enjoy that we got some real characterization for Becky as, you know, this cast of, of Spy Family starts to kind of expand. And even the side characters start to get like really established personalities i'm waiting for crab and doyle to get their chapters now <laughs> they're not even crab and goyle <laughs> crab we're, and doyle we're knockoff crab and goyle <laughs> a lobster and, and boils and some whatever their names are <laughs> lobster and boils 
But enough about that shit, Chris. World Trigger! World Trigger! It's chapter 203, the away mission test. There's a lot of very serious bookkeeping that goes on in this episode, as World Trigger is very happy to do all the time. And for some reason, I'm always into it. But before we get into that, something very stupid happens at the beginning of this chapter, just to kind of ease you into it. Yuma's riding around on a bicycle. And they're like, yay, you're riding a bicycle, Yuma. And then Hughes is like, why the fuck are you riding a bicycle? Why, don't you, why, do you, why are you transporting yourself on such a poorly balanced vehicle? You're going to fall over eventually. It's like you're in a freaking circus act. And they're like, you should practice and learn how to ride too, Hughes. And he was like, yeah, I mean, the ground on this planet is pretty flat. So knowing how to ride a bike is pretty handy and it doesn't consume any try on. And you know what? Chika and Konami ride around like it's no big deal. So Hughes just immediately imagines Konami being like, you can't even ride a bike. <laughs> so he gets on that thing <laughs> and falls over. <laughs> it's it's almost as though he gets on it and it tips over with no other movement or physics involved. He just sits on it and then it topples over and has the best response ever to the deflection. Hmm. This was only the logical. This was the logical result. <laughs> like, All right, buddy. <laughs> This is this was an inevitability. It's not my fault for being shit at it. <laughs> but uh, uh, Shura comes outside to tell them that the selection test schedule has been posted, and <laughs> so we see this little notification on their on uh, her phone. It's like away mission selection test schedule and preliminary survey, and Hughes is just like I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> and I like how Yuma's like, yeah, this is too hard for me too. <laughs> But uh, essentially, the, the, she just says, like, OK, so there's a selection test. There's a phase one of the test that runs for a week starting next Monday. And then immediately after, there is a phase two, which lasts for two days before the orientation. There's a participant survey. Yay! <laughs> now, to be fair, we did know about this, just to be clear. It's um, right, or the exam, rather, not the participant survey. That's that's a new part. Yeah, that's. <laughs> That's the real, like, all right. <laughs> Nick, aren't you excited for the World Trigger no. Ep chapter where they fill out a survey? No. <laughs> That's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> so it's just a survey that's like, there's three questions on it. Do you want to join the away mission? Uh, do you, what, besides the members of your squad, who would you prefer to join on the away mission? Is there, and three, would you prefer not to work with anyone? Pick up to two agents. And so they're like, all right. Um, there's a few observations that get made occasionally. Like Osamu's like, Arashiyama's not on here. Hmm. Uh, Satori's not on there. Mitsu's not on there. But Kitora's name is there. Hmm. Heck. So. That ship. Osamu, right away. Is is like well, Kitora's going on my list of people I'd like to work with. Oh, oh yeah, I get it. I, I bet she is. <laughs> and she's and she's like, huh? Wait, Osama's going. Whatever. <laughs> That'd be great. She looks at the list. She's like, who? <laughs> and just keeps girl. Like, wait, no, you guys are like a big kind of thing. I mean. Ah, uh, Naruyuki Uiga. No, no, that's the other glasses guy. <laughs> she's like, I don't remember which one of you switch. Oh, right. You're a way bigger loser. You don't have five women pining after you. That one's got abs, at least. I mean, what do you have? A crippling sense of moral responsibility? 
Yeah, I don't know if that's the most attractive trait in a man. Self-doubt, which is which is which comes into very tedious conflict with a sense of with a sense of duty. Every waking moment is a is an internal nightmare. I have to do everything, but I don't think I can do anything. And every day I make a thousand decisions of things what not to do, and every one of them leaves a regret, the wound that lays deep in my heart. Like, all right, I decided to have cereal today instead of eggs. <laughs> what if that's cost <laughs> my because I didn't consume enough eggs? <laughs> what if this is why my team doesn't make the away mission? Because I had eggs and I had a big belly of food. <laughs> Osama, we we already we're already ranked high enough. We're going on the mission. But what if? <laughs> what if the guy who makes eggs doesn't like that I ate too many eggs, and he calls border and gets us taken off the mission? This is just me. This is me now. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> placing myself up to you, Ega. What if I don't help that couple find their non-chips and they get in an accident and die unhungry and un- unfulfilled on the way home? Oh boy. Yuma, bro that he is, is just like, I'm just picking the people that I've eaten meat with. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's essentially who he goes with. So, And uh, for all of them, he's just like, that's just because we get along. Um, Hughes names Asma, Murakami, Inukai, and Ikoma Squad Shooter. That's the the best part, because I was like... No, I have no idea who it is. I started, like, we just did a bonus podcast where we ranked all the World Trigger squads, and it's a great, you should go check it out. It helped me monumentally with this chapter, but there was a moment where I sat there, I was like, all right, you recently looked at a coma squad, visualize a member of their squad that is not a coma, and it was just a blank screen, there was like a uniform with an empty head above it, and I was just like, nope. I love that uh, Hughes um, goes on to say, because Yuma's like, why aren't you choosing Yukoma himself? And <laughs> Hughes is just like, I'm choosing based on how obnoxious they were to face it. Because <laughs> he, he was an asshole. I, I do like it because like, I, I had to stop. I was like, who's Inukai? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that was uh, Ninumiya's squad's uh, attacker who held him down that entire life's yeah. match. So it makes sense that he he respect that guy. Yeah recognizing the people that gave him a lot of trouble basically uh and then he's like also i'll i'll throw in ozma squad and susanari squad's operators so and of course you is the one who knows what they actually are yeah so, um then they're like okay well you're over the limit though i'll write in your runners up in the re in your reasoning box um then they're like well i don't know anyone who i don't get along with uh then <laughs> Uh, don't get along with Hughes is like, is Gene on there? <laughs> <laughs> um, Chica has to consider it because because she, she's like, Rage, he's not on there. Izuho is not on there. Nasu squad's uh, not going on the away mission. But sure, is like, hey, you don't have to come up with five people if you can't think of all of them because it says up to five. Uh, Osama's kind of stuck in his last person. He's already got Kitora, Kikuchihara, Izumi, and Azuma. And he's like, well, I don't see Uiga's name on here or Kazama's. So he ends up putting down Nina Mia. So, hmm. 
Also, some some people pointed out you can see in that panel that he has Katori listed as the people yeah. he prefer not to work with. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing: as we're gonna get to, they're about to create new squads, and I guarantee they're gonna pull mm-hmm. from that list. And in my mind, I'm like, Osamu's gonna be the captain, and he's gonna have to have Ninomiya in there and Katori. And I was like, just put Kakuchi uh, Hara in there, and it's just the most fucking t- intense, angry group of characters in one room, basically. <laughs> Oh, but can you imagine Osamu and and uh, Katori on the same team? Spider team! Spider <laughs> team! <laughs> Into the Spider-Verse made lots of cash. It, that it did. So, um, Then we cut ahead to the uh, orientation. Big conference hall. It's like one of those... It's it's like a college classroom, basically. Yep. Um, and so Osama was surprised to see a few people there because he's like, oh, well, well, it's not just A-rank squads uh, and, you know, the two of us, of us who made it from B-rank. It's packed. There's, I mean, like everyone from mid-tier B-rank and above. Kitora is here. Kikuchihara is there. Uh, and Hughes says, well, Kido mentioned that several other agents of B-rank will be selected. So maybe this test will serve that purpose. So they get things started. And Kido says, all right, here's what's going on. The test will determine the the expeditionary squad going into the neighborhood. That's going to result in a broad reduction of staff at HQ. As such, during the expedition, we're not going to be able to hold rank wars and advancement battles. Instead, this will determine the strong. This will help determine the strongest members of border. Those of you who are mid tier B rank and above will be measuring your aptitude and abilities. That's the primary reason you're all here. And since the next away mission will involve far more participants. Even more, mem- even some members of squads that didn't qualify may end up being selected during this process. Participation in this mission depends on your willingness and other factors. But even if you t- turn down the opportunity, the fact that you qualified will remain on your record as a standout accomplishment. And we just get this like idea of like everyone who's there while he's explaining all this because this this across these two pages we just cut around to all the different squads. Mm. So. If you really want to be able to brag about your world trigger knowledge, name everyone in these two pages. I can't. So. Now, I can name all of the squads at the very least. Uh, but that's that's about it. Well, it doesn't help that there's two characters we have yet to have been introduced to before. Uh, but people are suspecting that's, I think, Urushawa squad or Urushiwa. I can't remember the exact pronunciation. But there's there's a squad that is literally just an operator and a dude. So that is presumably who that is. Yeah, and an important and uh, one thing that I just took note of just now as we're going through this is that you know Chica had said Nazi squad's not going on the mission, but there are attackers there. Yeah, uh, Kuma. And I think they're operating. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting. I remember part of the reason their operator work with Nazi squad is because she's like actively afraid of men, uh, but also other people have kind of noted that all the operators there don't line up with the number of teams that should actively come out with this. Like there's too many operators. So presumably there's a couple of them that won't actually be involved. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess. So Kato goes on to say like, Hey, the agents who choose not to go join the mission should realize that this test will be a significant factor in future evaluations. So even if you're not planning on going on the mission, basically, Take this seriously, is what he says. And then he says, all right, phase one of this is going to be one week in a sealed environment. That's going to simulate the extended period of time you'll spend in the ship. And as you learn to operate the equipment inside the ship, you'll be judged on your aptitude for long distance voyages. 
Phase 2 will be a lengthy combat simulation lasting up to 36 hours. So that's what the last two day, the the phase two, two day period is for a long combat simulation. Uh, and he says the specifics will, of phase two will be announced just before it begins. Uh, and people around th- them are reacting like, geez, can you imagine fighting 36 hours straight? And uh, is it a zoomy who says this, the tall blonde guy? That's, that's Kakisaki. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, yeah, those with low trial will be at a huge Nick, disadvantage. remember Kakizaki from Kakizaki no. Squad. Nope. So um, then the presentation continues saying, hey, the results of the test are going to be based on future evaluations. The test begins four days from now. Barring extenuating circumstances, I hope you all participate. During the selection, Agents will be placed in different squads. In other words, we're going to shuffle the squads, which I do like that we actually got a little a brief glimpse of Katori before during the presentation. And she was just kind of like, you know, she pressed into fist, bored, and she's the first one who's reaction we see because she's just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> That's like the first thing she actually cared about. My mind was like, is it like, I, because I want to read into this chapter a lot. And I was like, is it supposed to be like fortuitous that? Katori and Kagayura are the only ones who have their their hands down like this. Are they going to be placed into a squad for that reason? Shipping. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I need, Nick. They both did a thing in the same page. And the chapter ends uh, before the provisional captains are declared because they're going to be divided up into uh, 11 squads with one captain, one operator and three additional agents. Uh, So 11 five member squads all together. And yeah, so there's a lot of characters gathered together for all this. So not going to bother with trying to figure out what the squads could possibly be because that's too many. So I I wouldn't bother making crazy. Uh, My only real prediction was I'm like, I feel like the fact that you, you pick people who you want to be with and then don't want to be with means that probably you're they're going to try to focus on getting the people who don't want to be paired together in one of these squads, because I was like, what's the first half of this test really going to evaluate? And it's like, Oh, to see if these people could survive in long, you know, space travel with one another. So that's yeah. why I assume everybody tolerate each other's presence. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, I think Ninomiya is going to end up with Uega just because I'm like, I feel like Ninomiya was probably like, I don't want to work with him. <laughs> He's beneath me. <laughs> Poor Osamu. Poor Osamu. Great chapter, though. Uh, fucking cock tease of an end of a chapter, though. I wanted at least one squad. Mm-hmm. Would have been nice to get a second chapter this month, but no no dice, unfortunately. No dice. All right, Nick, let's talk about Eden Zero. It is chapter 117, the much beloved and much anticipated Shiki versus Orc. Uh, the final showdown is here. It is Shiki one-on-one with Orc. These are two characters with a lot of history. Uh, to give you like a brief WWE pay-per-view like recap, uh, they met last chapter and now they're fighting (laughs) and it was enough to name the entire chapter after them. (laughs) Uh, so basically orc and cheeky fight. That's most of the chapter. I would describe the action, but it's just not fucking important at all. Because if I look at my phone, I can make them think that I'm reading the chapter when really I'm just playing games. That's fine. Oh, shit, I'm not muted. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, Nick, the button. 
Um, so yeah, Shiki and, and Orc are gonna have a fight. Uh, Orc uses a bunch of ether gear bullets. Shiki fights against him. Shiki has a moment where he starts crying because he's talking about how his grandfather was the one who gave him this power and taught him the importance of friends. And Orc's just like, I don't understand. I don't have a context for what you're talking about. <laughs> you're kind of just shouting emotions at me. Uh, and he's like, look, we have to do it. We, you know, this, this, the Ziggy did all this. He's an evil person. Uh, and we're, we're destroying all these things to protect humans. And that's, that's what our Lord Poseidon Nero wants, basically. So Shiki's like, well, I say Poseidon Nero's evil. We get a brief cut through to the other fights happening. Uh, Smoke Girl turns into electric gas and electrocutes Rebecca. Uh, I thought the justification to that was going to be that she turned into like a thundercloud. But no, she's just like, does no, I'm smoke. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I'm electric smoke. It's a thing, probably. Uh, I mean, it is. Yeah. Like there are certain clouds of particles can definitely be conductive of electricity. It's just not something that people tend to think about a lot. It's just a very inelegant way of kind of doing that when you're like, I'm electric gas now. Like, okay, I guess you could do that. Uh, Hamora's losing or not looking so great in her fight. She can't. She says her whole thing out loud where she's like, oh, I can't really fight in a condition like this. Uh, And the, the glue guy turns his glue into like hot glue. And we just see a panel from far away of Hamora saying, tis hot. And, um, next chapter i hope that her hero stuck to his guns and actually showed a, a female character with severe burns from uh, an intense battle and not just uh-oh the glue burned off some burned of our off. clothes now their clothes have burned off she's got to strike uh more erotic poses while she mm-hmm. sword fights that's all that it means mm-hmm. she realizes the only way she can win this fight is she, she takes off the rest of her clothes because she needs to be just a little bit faster to catch i've got to be able to i've got to be able to hear the tuning more <laughs> fuck god damn it air gear <laughs> Um, yeah, Shiki's just like, Grandpa's my family, and if they're doing something wrong, then I'll stop them, and you know what, you might be protecting robots, or humans, but I'm gonna protect robots, and Shiki overdrives and punches Orc. What a chapter, what a fight. That's it. The sad says that I might have won (laughs) $10,000. Oh, I gotta sign up for it. No, Nick, put in your credit card, you could win millions. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> put in more than one i got had the feeling as soon as i saw the title of this chapter when i actually read it that like it's just going to be a dumb fight and nothing important's going to happen and i was technically wrong because they did cut around to the other two fights in which nothing happened mm-hmm. so i don't care i don't care i don't care about any of these three opponents because nothing has been done to make me care about them or care about this conflict in general. It's such a very generic setup and I get the great impression that maybe one of these characters, presumably Orc, is going to actually turn out to be much better than they appear on the surface um, because it seems like Hero can't go a single arc in any of his stories without having someone join the good guy group in some way. Uh, But... You know, I don't care about any of them because they just showed up and they're like, we're just killing robots. Yeah, like, I and so you actually properly explore that. Then why do I care about the fact that they're being punched? So I would assume that Orc is meant to be the only member of the group with any real significance. But even that might be nothing. This feels like this is kind of like a smaller mini arc kind of between things. But 
Yeah, it. I mean, we know very little about Glue Guy aside from. I mean, it's hard to even really nail down his personality besides like kind of goofy evil, and we know nothing about the Gas Girl, and then orc has an arm that's a rope that could turn into things and that's it and it's like this really isn't enough to create three tense fights of of real you know stakes and, and situations so yes chainsaw man chapter 91 power 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 <laughs> Got barfed up by Denji uh, after Pochita asked the blood that he had from her still inside of him to help Denji and fought Makima for all of like five pages before Makima clearly showed that she was no match and then was like, turn me over to him and then you can go back to be my dog. And then Bauer was like, I got him for you. The, the glory is mine. And so that's where we pick up this chapter. But, uh, as she looks back at Makima, and Makima's like, Bauer. Suddenly she kind of like frees up for a bit, and she gets this kind of mystified look on her face, and she just flashes back to all the different memories that she and Denji have shared together. You know, when they did the really weird like bathing together thing, uh, but also just like a lot of stuff of them just like hanging out and just, you know, chilling and, you know, the or the time when they like got their uniforms together and stuff like that. And she just remembers, hey, they've been through a lot together. And so she makes a bunch of spears of blood into uh, Makima. And then she runs away with Denju going, why? Why did I do that? I can't beat Makima. Uh, more of Makima's agents try and stop her. Uh, one of them summons like a praying mantis claw from the ground that uh, attacks power. Uh, but she kills them and then keeps on running. More agents show up. And we get this visual of power running naked down a road of some sort. While narration says all lives are equally trivial, including mine. So any death, even my own, is nothing to be sad about. But Denji can't die. And we see her in the present carrying Denji through a pile of corpses, basically. As all the agents that come after her, she kills them. And she escapes into an alleyway and hides the two of them in a dumpster. And she says to herself, because Denji's my first friend. Denji comes to and he's in his uh, uniform and power is in her uniform. And she's kind of crouching over him while they're huddled in the in the dumpster. When he wakes up and when she sees that Denji has woken up, power gives him gives him this very awkward hug because they're crammed in there. And she says, I'm here to save you. But Denji's like, I've lived enough power. I ate a lot of good grub. I flirted with a girl. I got to play video games with you guys. I slept next to you. From my point of view, back when I was stuck in a debt trap, I really did get to live my dream life. So I'm good. There's nothing good waiting for me in life anymore. And plus, you won't be there, right? And Power gets mad at him, starts calling him dummy a lot. And she says, do you miss me so much that you can't do anything? He's like, yeah, I do. Aww. So she says, you're a fool. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, oh, it's very sad. If, if He's yeah. just like, yeah, there really isn't anything without you. Mm -hmm. The fact that he got her killed would really hit him hard. So, 
Makima says, when devils die in this world, they're reborn in hell. I won't be me anymore, though. So if we meet again, it'll probably be his enemies. Denji, go find the blood devil. Find them, make friends with them somehow, and turn the blood devil back into power again. Then I can be your buddy again, can't I? And she kneels down over him and says, this is a contract, Denji. I'll give you my blood in exchange. Come find me. And Denji wakes up for real. And he's in a dumpster covered in trash where Bauer hid him for safety. And he pops up out of the dumpster calling for her. And he realizes that she's gone again. And so he gets upset and calls for her name. But before he can really process what's happened anymore, Kishibe's there. He's mm-hmm. sitting next to the dumpster. And he's just and by the way, Denji is just Denji now. He's yes. no longer the chainsaw man. He's just in his human form just a guy in his pants with a ripcord sticking out of his chest. And Kishibe says, Question, are you Denji or are you the chainsaw monster? If you're Denji, I'll set you free from Akima somehow. If you're a monster, then keep on sleeping in the dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> and the two of them just kind of look at each other for a bit. And then Denji gives him the victory sign, the two fingers. And that's where the chapter ends. Yeah, I mean, so. it's a great chapter, man. But it's sad. You know, Power has given a form of her life to, you know, get Denji back into it. Obviously, she's still alive in some form down in hell. And that's kind of maybe a mission Denji still has to do. It's a contract, but... You know, it's very sad. You know, Power in this moment chose to die for Denji, essentially. She she knew it was yeah. there, but she, she couldn't sacrifice him and managed to betray Makima. So it's very, very noble I of think Power. that this is much more of the future devil's prediction than her previous death was. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, you got to I mean, like this definitely seems like it. It's the first chapter of Chainsaw Man in a while that's like, oh, I feel like there's like a direction coming out of this now yeah. where it's like, oh, there's a thing over there that we're heading towards. Yeah. So this is the first time in like three months where I'm like, maybe it won't end in a month. <laughs> I was like, because it does mm-hmm. feel like you, there's at least some time that could be spent in between the two things. Yeah. And uh, it makes me wonder, like. Well, okay. It seems like Denji's back to himself. He's momentarily escaped from Makima, but Makima has much more directly taken control and just is in charge of basically everything. And mm-hmm. Kishibe is like the one person left who's trying to stop her because that attempt on her life that he made didn't go so well. <laughs> so, uh, and now it's funny because like, well, now he's putting his trust in Denji because he's kind of realized this guy's the only chance I got. <laughs> so. We'll see how this goes. Yeah. Yes, we shall. All right. Let's talk about Magachan, God of Destruction. Halloween! It's Halloween chapter! <laughs> right on time. Right on time, Halloween! It actually was pretty on time when it came out, but... It's yeah. like the day after, yeah. So... um. Halloween's kind of odd in Japan. I've heard it described as being kind of like Christmas in Japan in terms of it's much more about the iconography that has been adapted from the West. Mm. Uh, 
but eh. I mean, based off of the gotcha games I play and the uh, costumes they give, I assume that to them, Halloween is nothing but candy and sexy costumes. So, you know, they pretty much got everything they needed to, right? They got all the important stuff. Yeah. It's a lot closer to Halloween over here than Christmas is to over here, I think. Mm-hmm. So, um, There's a cute cover page. We get a couple pages deep of... Uh, uh, Ruru with the three gods in very stereotypical Halloween costumes. Uh, except for Magu's, I have no idea what Magu's supposed to be. He's a pumpkin. Is that it? Because he's got the weird tendrils coming out. Are those the pumpkin yeah. vines? I think he's like a, like a spooky pumpkin. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. BS is there and he's Cerberus, and that's great. Yeah. So. Doesn't appear uh, in the chapter, but, you know, I, no, guess, unfortunately a, I guess the cover page is enough. This is this is a weird chapter because stuff like happens. Um, I mean, I could go through it, but I don't really feel like it. <laughs> That's fair. There. So obviously, Magu's learning about what Halloween is, and Ruru is like the only one who actually knows what Halloween actually is because it's a kind of a foreign concept even to her friends at school, and. Magu's just like, well, I understand that, you know, thing offerings will be made to me and I want offerings, obviously, you know, uh, Ren can't hang out with them for Halloween. So the next day, uh, Ruru's friends show up and, uh, Yuika has like a bandolier around her chest and a sign that says gotcha and, a, and two bazookas and, Ruru's like, what are you doing? And she's like, these are fireworks to scare people with because Halloween's the day you pull pranks on people. It's trick or treat. And Ruru's like, I mean, Halloween doesn't give you a free pass to pull off all of the pranks you want. And we go like, what? Then, then what do you do on Halloween? And Magu's like, ooh, powder weapons. <laughs> he's like, got three of them on his head for some reason. Yeah, he's, he's loading up his armory. He is the god of destruction. Kyo shows up and she's got the Loch Ness monster paper mache around her head for some reason. Because it's a cryptid. Yes. So then she's like, honestly, I knew something was wrong, even as I was working on it in the middle of the night. And she looks very sad about this because she kept on working on it despite <laughs> this. So. Magu approves. So that's all that matters. And there's a really weird bit where Yuika's like, what if I wear this and then attach the bazookas and make it into a mecha Nessie? Sorry, it's called classy, but it's clearly messy. Yeah. Rue realizes that she has no idea what Halloween actually is all of a sudden. And then Nuneris shows up and she's in a sexy devil kind of outfit. And she's like, let me join in then. I'm a little devil today. And she said, and Rue is like, oh, you and Izuma lived abroad. So you're well versed in what Halloween's like. And Nuneris is like, yeah, of all the aspects of human culture, Halloween's the one I love the most. And there's only one thing when it comes to Halloween. The limited edition Halloween costumes you score in mobile games. Yeah, well, no, that's, that's it. That's pretty much. <laughs> so, but she says, yeah, Halloween's all about dressing up. It kind of is. Yeah, so, um. The da, 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 Remember when da, I was Bane for a week? Yeah, you uh, yeah. No, yeah. That, yeah. 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 Uh Uneris uses one of her Providence magics to get give all the girls costumes. 
So Ruru's a witch and Kyo is a mummy and Yuika is Blaze the cat? Uh It's a witch, a mummy, and a werewolf, I think. I don't think she's supposed to be anyone specific. Yeah. All right. It's the dress that throws me off, I guess. I I guess because you want to still put some kind of, like, pretty attire to it. I mean, look at Kyo. She's just got... Well, I guess her bandages are shaped like a dress, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. They go to Ren's uh, family's restaurant. Naputsuku has just whipped up some pudding. The pudding's not perfect because he's still learning but he's very proud in his work and Ren's trying to critique him and start tell him how to improve and he's like no it's fine you're just bullying me because you don't want me to be better than you and Ren's like I mean I took a bunch of time out of my day in order to teach you how to do this maybe you should stop complaining and listen to feedback but he's like you're right this is short of the pudding I ate that one time don't worry minions I'll make great pudding Yuika uh, shows up and with everyone and they shoot the bazooka fireworks off and it's a really weird sight because they've got bats and werewolves and a giant sea creature thing paper mache um and they're like it's halloween yep and uh then magu is upset that naputsuku is there so he threatens to blast them with his eye beams um and then they're like oh we've got leftover pudding samples you guys should eat them and Naputuka's like, those are my, those are my puddings. And Ren's like, I mean, they belong to the restaurant because you work here. So sure, have these failed puddings. They're like, hey, it's good. Good job, Naputuka. And he's like, ah, of course. And, um, yep, uh, that's the chapter, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> really. <laughs> You're like, and then it it kind of ends. <laughs> it's 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 kind of, it's upsetting because like there's no actual through line of like a thing happens and then that leads to this and then leads to this, other than just what actually happens in it. You know, usually there's like some measure of character development or a conflict that is then resolved. And the conflict in this one apparently was them figuring out what Halloween was and learning to enjoy it, I guess. Mm. But it's like, all right, you know, whatever. So. So, Nick, I think it's time for us to do our annual or weekly rather is Magu-chan getting canceled or not update to which the answer is probably not right now. Most likely. But! <laughs> so, here's the thing. There is a new series coming. Uh, mm-hmm. Build King by Shiba Burkuru is coming out. And it's possible something might leave the magazine. My initial Pro- thought was it was Mori King. Mori King was wrapping everything up. Mori King also this chapter just, did, just defeated the main antagonist of the series. But then introduced a new antagonist group. So mm. who knows? Mori <laughs> uh, King, I know, has been like not doing so hot. Uh, its volume sales, I think, went down uh, after the first one. It's been kind of been not been promoted very heavily by the magazine. A Gravity Boys, of course, been around for a while. Uh, Our Blood Oath apparently is not doing very well at all. No. Um, 
But once you go through those, it's like then you start to consider between like Maguchan and and Phantom Seer, and it gets kind of you know hazier. So hard hard boiled cop and dolphin is also one that might be on the chopping block. It hasn't been doing super great. It did a little bit better this most recent week, but has been in the like the past like two months because it's still at the bottom. Um, who knows? Also, we're in sort of an odd time with Jump, where there's a lot of series that are kind of ending so a lot of spots are kind of naturally just opening up like that uh we never learn is going to be ending in like Mm -hmm. seven weeks presumably so maybe that will be it but uh it is worth noting i guess secret sixth route (laughs) unlocked (laughs) no no it is gonna be the incest one it's gonna no it's gonna be the one where he hooks up with his male friends Uh, so with that, uh, I would say that if you're worried about Magu-chan, you could feel some level of safety, but I wouldn't get too attached to it quite yet. I would say enjoy the time you have until you hear differently. Yeah, I mean, who knows at this point? Um, and I think that the real thing is going to be, because I think we, I think that after, since Ayakashi Triangle, uh, volume sales came out, I think we've gotten like any updates on the series that are more recent than that, which is kind of weird because like these are things that came out like a couple weeks within it. So I don't know, but yeah, I mean, it might just be a situation where Ayakashi triangle was the only noteworthy one to talk about. And like everything else that came out in that cycle just kind of underperformed like most series tend to. So I guess we'll see. Um, I think that I'm at the point now where I where as much as of Magu-chan that comes out, I'll be happy with it because yep. it's just nice occasionally. And, and then you occasionally you also just get a chapter. It's just like, all right, this happened. <laughs> oh, right. This is just a comedy series. And sometimes those just end, you know, like it. There's, there's no conclusion to the end of the chapter. All right. It's time right. for what we've all been waiting for, Chris. Neck, let's suck. We never learn discussion. We never learn. Question 180. A pizza bet equals the Queen of Thin Ice, part three. So, uh, Karasu starts by answering the phone in a towel that somehow also conforms to every curve of her body. I feel like towels explicitly exist not to do that, or maybe she's intentionally holding it between her thighs. Who knows? Um, I'm actually trying to remember this chapter as we're reading it, because <laughs> I don't remember what happens in this chapter. Well, Chris, you remember how Kirisu was trying to, uh, be Ogata in the last chapter? Oh, in this one, she's right. trying to be a Sumi. That's right. Because I, I, I was like, why the high school, like, he's watching PE teams train, but then, yeah. Uh, Kirisu's aunt shows up with her her young niece, who they had that chapter about a way long time ago. That's actually uh, a nice. It's actually a nice callback mm-hmm. uh, to have her show up again. Yep. A little bit older. Uh, and her her niece is a lot older now. She looks like she's maybe like five or six years old. I don't know exactly how much time is supposed to have passed. I don't know if they gave a definite to it, but like six or seven years old would make sense, I guess. Um. Wow, she's so big. And the aunt's like, "Hey, could you watch her for the day, Natsumi?" And they're like, "Yep, no problem." And Natsumi's like, "Question: Is that person my my Fuyu's fiance?" And we're like, "What? We learned there's a big wacky scenario because Kiris, who asked to lie and say Uega is her fiance, because she'd be in trouble if not. So they have to pretend to be a mar uh of uh, 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 an engaged couple. What, Nick?" 
no one in the series has done this before. <laughs> no, <laughs> this specifically. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that just ends up being the chapter. Uh, Natsumi is just like, is very suspicious of them the whole time. She's like, you don't really seem like you're a married couple. You should be more lovey-dovey. Oh, this is how I saw couples operate in magazines. So you should like be clinging on to each other like this. And you should take, let's all take a bath together. You would have no problem doing that if, if we were, you know, uh, if you weren't an engaged couple, there's only one moment where like, when she's like, we should take a bath together. And they're like, no, no. And I do just like that. Like, you see that to me, she just has a phone. Like she just pulls it out of the void space. and is like texting on it. <laughs> oh no, I don't think she's really engaged. Uh, but yeah, th- there's just a bunch of shenanigans. There's a couple like, oh man, it's so hard to not get a giant erection with this, you know, hot girl in front of me in a bikini. And oh, we're going to watch movies and we have to act like a married couple. This is really hard. But hey, you were there for me all this time. And we get a moment where Kirisu pats Uega on the head and says he's quite admirable, reflecting uh, when her his father did it to him. And no weird feelings about that whatsoever. That's a healthy way to continue to address your romantic oh, yeah, feelings for another. Hired my dad. <laughs> Ooh, you're replacing the father figure in my life. Mmm. <laughs> Uh, and she says, Confusing. yeah, she's like, I'm sure you'll have a beautiful family one day. And I suppose everyone will be like ev- everyone every day will be like today, you know, so you're you're going to have a great life, basically kind of detaching herself from it. And Yenuega grabs her hand. It's like, actually, you know what? I, I really didn't like mind today at all. And, uh, you know, there's a moment where. You know, some silliness happens and she falls into him and, you know, Kirisu kind of kisses him on the cheek. And that's when the ant shows back up and it's just like, oh, you really helped me out today. Thanks for watching Natsumi. And like as they're leaving, Natsumi is like, you know, when she's different, well, she says something. She's like, hey, what would happen if they weren't really engaged? Because she was actually awake while they were talking about how this was an elaborate ruse. And... Basically, she's just like, well, I just thought she looked different when she's with Uega, you know, so I think we should leave him out. And the aunt's like, oh, yep, because their relationship is a fake. That's what I had suspicions on. That's fine, because that wasn't my intention from the start. It was all to make sure she's in a happy place. You're like, all right, so I guess we got a chapter where <laughs> there was nothing really there to progress this relationship beyond a brief moment of Uega being like, oh, it kind of remind me of my dad a little bit. Chris, mm-hmm. got it. Okay. So, clearly, I can't judge this arc uh, by its own merits if I keep approaching it from the stance that we've taken to uh, all the rest of We Never Learn. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to look at it from the perspective of the people that it was clearly intended for, which is Kirisu uh, fans. Mm-hmm. Horn dogs, we call them. From that perspective, I can say, great chapter. She shows up in a towel at the beginning. She gets in a bikini later. Her hot milf of an of a aunt shows up. Great shit. So 
perfect chapter. No complaints. Can't wait to see her and her and Yuiga just do it in chapter nine. I'm I'm so looking forward to that. Or maybe you know what? Instead of Yuiga, it'll just be another Kirisu, and they'll just like make out with. Oh, you. like a mirror universe, like alternate. What if they go back in That's time? That's what the thing is in the color page we saw in the first chapter of this. That was an ice she was pressed up against. It was the mirror, and she's gonna start making out with herself beautiful what if so what there was that whole start where it's like they went you know the the hand holding maybe like fireworks scene what if they both bounce into her breasts and go back in time and kirisu gets with yuega and younger kirisu oh and then her sister can show up and it'll yes. be yes yeah so just get all the girls in there and then yuega's sister could join and she time travels too and they can all yes. Siblings and siblings relationships. Yeah. You got to get like triple incest in this harem. Triple. <laughs> There's some other stuff I haven't told you yet. Her dad comes back from the dead. Sometimes <laughs> dad's there too. Yeah. Fuck. All oh, right. <laughs> Sorry about Dr. Stone, Nick. Sorry about Dr. Stone. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, Z equals 172. I just realized I don't remember what happens in this chapter at all. <laughs> they mean a new character, Nick. You know what I've always <laughs> You know what I've always been saying? Dr. Stone doesn't have enough characters. The other day I like I, I like looked at the two-page color spread here with like the characters and like some younger versions of themselves and I said, "You know what this series needs? More characters." Cuz right now I feel like I kind of get the cast and I feel like if you ballooned it up four or five times that size <laughs> Then I would really enjoy it. Uh, we get uh, some color pages at the start of this. So this is the first time I think we've seen Luna, her color scheme. Mm-hmm. She's pink everywhere, which Very I pink. guess is appropriate for her character, but I really don't like it. So. It's. I think the only part that annoys me is, uh, like, first and foremost, why is she still wearing the dress? There was a narrative purpose for her wearing the dress previously and that she was used as a yardstick. It is a very ill-fitting dress otherwise, and I wish you would wear something that doesn't feel so uncomfortable. Uh, but also, pink and red is a horrendous color, <laughs> color scheme for horizontal stripes. It's this bubblegum-flavored candy cane of a woman is now yeah. on our crew. So, But there's also a really uh, nice uh, two-page spread at the start of, of this chapter, marked with an X of Wisdom, which is celebrating the upcoming year of the rabbit on uh-huh. the Zodiac calendar. And it's a, it's kind of an odd choice, which is it's a bunch of the cast of Dr. Stone interacting with each other's younger selves. But it's cute. Yeah. I, really say that. I like the image of older Kaseki meeting younger Kaseki, who just looks exactly like him, but with a little bit of hair on the top of his head. So I, was, I was like, did Kaseki come out of the womb? Is it like an 80 year old man? Also, the, both the younger and the older Sukasa are just doing the same pose with their swords. <laughs> Dorks. Yeah. Uh, so they're making their way to this to South America now that they've got the coordinates that they established in the last chapter. And uh, they come to the point because Gen points out, hey, this destination is like in the middle of the continent. What? How are we supposed to get there? Because we can't just sail the ship in there. We're going to have to hoof it and that's going to take a really long time is that going to be an easy journey and Senku's like no <laughs> that's going through the Amazon mosquitoes will kill us so, 
So he says, like, God, the only thing that we can actually do is travel upriver from the ocean, which means we'd have to take the long way around. We have to go around the tip of Argentina in order to get there. It's like, and you could go through the Panama Canal, I guess. But I guess that'd also be very difficult to do with, like, no one working the canals. Uh, And uh, so he's like, the big issue that we're running into is fuel. And they have to stop along the coast every now and then to chop a bunch of trees down so that they have the lumber to burn for their fuel to make charcoal. And Zeno points out, yeah, we're slowly progressing and we'll get there. But meanwhile, and we go over to Stanley's ship and they're just like, yeah, we've got fuel and oil to spare. So they're not going to be able to stay ahead of us for long. Every time that they stop is, you know, a chance for Stanley's group to get closer. And we get a get a bit of a travel montage over time as them, you know, have, they have to stop chop wood and uh, gather fuel taiju of course is like hey i can keep going all night guys don't worry i'll just do this to distract myself from the fact that my girlfriend's been separated from me again (laughs) but then he sees something glowing in the night sky while he's off working all by himself and the letters that are in the night sky spell out hell that's reassuring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone comes out to take a look at the signs. Uh, and Kohaku, with her supervision, is able to point out, hey, there's some sort of canvas behind the letters. So they're able to follow that because they realize, oh, there's just kites strung up over there with fluorescent paints. They go over to the trees and they come across this kind of nest strung between two trees that the signs are kited up from. And they're like, huh, something's up there, huh? And then a shape descends and it's got this round body and these wild tendrils coming from its top. And it's uh, it's 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 a woman mm-hmm. who has to squinch her eyes in order to see because she's uh, got bad vision, just like uh, just like Suika. Yep. So she's got to twist F- her face. Fuzzy eye disease. Yes. And she's uh, she's wearing a gourd around her body, just, just like Suika. Um, so. She's like, yay, people are here. And she goes to like hug them and she immediately trips and falls over. Um, at the same time, Suika does because they went to embrace each other, but they missed because they're both blind. Yep. Mm-hmm. So they're like, sure, we've got all the time in the world. So they 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 make some glasses <laughs> for this girl. Um, who keeps the gourd thing going on, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. she's immediately she immediately turns into Explorer Meganico. And for some reason, her glasses already have tape on them. She's just that her her dorkiness is just that powerful. Like these are brand new glasses and they have tape on them now. So. But uh, well, she, Nick, if you tape them up ahead of time, then they can't break. That's just science, they would yeah. say. Yeah, that's exactly what Dr. Stone would say. <laughs> <laughs> Zena recognized the woman now that she's, you know, not wearing a gourd uh, as Dr. Chelsea. And Chelsea's like, oh, you're Dr. Zeno, right? Because they were both at the the National Park on the day of the event. She was at that whole summit thing. And so, you know, Zeno properly introduced her like, oh, yeah, you know, this is she's a the genius teen geographer, Dr. Chelsea. She's got the whole world in her head. And Chelsea's like, oh, uh, and she recaps that when she woke up, she spotted a sign that had been left by Zeno's group saying, hey, head north so that, you know, you can come here and you know meet up with us. Um, 
but she couldn't see it because of her shit vision. And so she's like, all right, well, I'll go south then. And everyone's like, oh, my God, I can't believe that you you, you had a 50 percent chance and you completely blew it. And she's like, she's like, between going north and south, who wouldn't go south? That's where you find California's orange groves. It's like, all right, if you say so. And then she just kept wandering south until she was in South America. (laughs) Wouldn't at some point you're like, I don't think I'm in California anymore. (laughs) I mean, we go through a lot in this chapter, which essentially just goes on to bring up. We need a geography expert in the group, which is like when you think about it. Yeah, that would definitely come in handy to have that eventually. So sure. Why not? We'll just introduce another expert. And we're going to dedicate a chapter to introducing an expert. But a lot of the stuff in this chapter, introducing her quirks and stuff, really doesn't land to me. I think the only one that landed was, oh, yeah, I just kept going. <laughs> I went all the way to another continent. I just, went to one, I just picked it to cardinal direction and went in it. And then we recap that like, she tried to set up a thing that said help, but she ran out of paint at the end and she didn't realize it somehow. So it was like, yeah, you know, mm. So, uh, they kind of go over like, Hey, we're trying to find this place in South America and we're trying to get away from Stanley. So maybe you can give us a secret route. And she looks over and she's like, yeah, if we go right here across, uh, across South America, we'll make landfall in Northern Ecuador and we'll do a tiny bit of mountain climbing. And then we'll just ride down the Amazon like, and it'll be really easy. Cause we'll be going, you know, with, with the flow of it. Um, Ryusui is worried since that means that they're going to have to, you know, hoof everything across the land um and they're also and uh ukiyo is also concerned because their mobile lab can't go through the freaking rainforest so Jessica's like oh i was thinking more like a lightweight row vehicle like a motorcycle and so and she's like but i'm sure you don't have one of those but tech is like nope so we'll make one and that's where the chapter ends as he lays out the roadmap in order to create a motorcycle and there we go so uh so look, uh, it was the joke at the start of this chapter. Uh, the last thing I really needed Dr. Stone to have was more kind of characters to care about. And uh, I'm going to state this right now. We might get more about her in the near future, but uh, currently could not give one iota of a shit about Dr. Chelsea. This character is not particularly interesting and seems to exist solely to serve the purpose you mentioned of we need a geographer in the group so there you go um there's a couple amusing bits i don't know why they had to like do the whole hell in the sky thing i'm glad that is resolved in this chapter but makes very little sense because it's Mm -hmm. like oh she didn't mean hell she meant help but she ran out of paint and also hung the one letter upside down and was painting it wrong because I guess she's that blind. You're like, I don't, if it was supposed to be a shock tactic for me to be like, what's in the sky that says hell? It really wasn't effective enough for all this explanation to, to then follow it up with. So I, it's there. I don't really have much of a thought beyond that. It, this was just a chapter of Dr. Stone. And after the last one, it was kind of a, a disappointing step backwards. Mm-hmm. 
No, I mean, we've had character introduction chapters that I think have been very successful in terms of like, hey, this is this character's deal. This is their expertise. This is what they're about. And we've been very happy uh, with how they've turned out. Mm. Um, but this was just like, all right, this is a very utilitarian thing. And I just really don't care for this character at all, unfortunately. It doesn't help that, like, so I think like Francois, it was such a big deal when they, they broke out Francois and it was like, hey, Rusui's like this, this person, they are going to help us. Uh, yeah. This is a situation where I I know he's impressed by Dr. Chelsea, but the fact Zeno's like, I've never met her before. So there's no kind of like, I'm glad you're okay. Just like, ah, yes, you are in a utilitarian way, very useful to the mission right now. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not there really... Was, uh... There was no one bigging her up on commentary, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody, nobody there to to give her stats from outside the company. Yeah. All right, all right, Nick. Let's talk about Mashal Magic and Muscles, Chapter Thirty Seven. Mash Burn Dead and the Obsidian Rain. I have to imagine there's a metal band that has a title, a song called Obsidian Rain. At this oh, point, oh, absolutely, yeah. It's a, a pretty badass name. Uh, so, unfortunately. This character still does not have a name. And they go through the chapter saying, all right, how does 30 minutes sound? I'd say that this person, uh, you know, your friend Abyss Razor, has that much time left before he's beyond help. Can you save him in time? And then suddenly a barrage of what I assume is Obsidian begins flying at MASH and he has to start punching it away. But... It is absolutely like it is a just barrage of it. It's too much for Mash to keep up with. He's getting hit by it. You know, there's a moment of Abel looking on, being like, he's fighting against one of the innocent zero. We're we're outclassed. They're all born with advantages. And he, you know, flashbacks to how his mother would tell him that, you know, we were simply born more fortunate than others. Talent, appearance, birthright. It was that chance that bestowed those advantages on people. And that is why, and mystery person's like, bad time to zone out and fires an attack at him, but MASH blocks it and protects him. And Abel's just like, look, just give up. We are inferior. We cannot win this fight. Abyss was a fool. He had no reason to protect me. We might as well have been stranger. And who goes that and can't finish his statement before MASH is like, you made him happy. He had no one. He was lonely. Life didn't seem worth it to him. So when you needed him, I think it made him happy. I know because I'm kind of the same. And that's why we'll save him and get him those cream puffs he wants. And you know, in his mind, Mash is like, I really want the cream puffs, but <laughs> I just want to note we're getting cream puffs out of this. Uh, and we continue. Did Abyss, the ever, did Abyss ever seem receptive to the cream puffs, or is Mash just like, I'm sure the cream puffs are important to him? I mean, obviously. <laughs> I mean, like, in Abel's mind, he's like, uh, Isn't Abyss lactose intolerant? <laughs> and and uh, gluten intolerant? <laughs> he's also really trying to, he's trying to really cut down the sweets. <laughs> is every part of a cream puff is actually bad for him? He's, uh, he's got very sensitive teeth, and <laughs> he, can't, he can't have sugar. <laughs> Uh, so Abel continues his little flashback about, you know, how talent and, and, and appearance and birthright, all that stuff, all those advantages are mere coincidences. So you have to learn to have empathy, basically. If you can do that, then you can show them greater kindness. And there's this moment as, as Abyss is, you know, coughing like, look, Lord Abel. And we, we see all the flashbacks of everybody he was like, ah, the evil eye, stay away from me. And Abel being like, ah, you possess the eye of the devil. 
And he would just be like, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't want to look at you. He's like, no need to hide it. In fact, will you use that eye for me? Yes, yes, I, at your eyes, issue doesn't bother me. Starting now, I will give your eye a better purpose. Follow me. And all I needed was for Abel to get a giant sword that has a big hole in it for you to, I guess, decapitate someone's head to complete the whole Zabuza, you are a useful tool to me, but <laughs> this will spawn a thousand Hoye fanfics, so <laughs> just accept that. And one of them looks very effeminate, too. Yes. <laughs> I, it's abs- It's almost... Almost to the point of plagiarism. <laughs> and he wears a full face mask. Fuck. It's, it's too it's too on the nose. You gotta you can't do this, Bashful guy. Uh if Abyss- Abel had had worn like a band a cloth bandana and and a mask that only covered the lower part of his face, we would be like, wait a minute. <laughs> and and it was all about using super speed, man. Fuck. It, I think Abyss might actually just be Huck. <laughs> uh Abyss finishes it by being like, please run while you can. And Abel just says, always so noble, mother and abyss. And the barrage is too much. Mash just can't block all these shots and protect these people and advance at all. This mysterious person is just too strong. Uh, Dot is there basically narrating that to the audience. Mash is slowly pushing forward, but it's it's not going to be fast enough. And then the guy launches a a stronger version of the spell. And they're like, no, he's not going to be able to do it. When suddenly... The big giant marionette puppets from uh, Abel's second of the spell comes out, and he has cast it. He he stands up, and he's like, even the weak have the right to fight back. And a mysterious person is like, what are you doing? He's like, figuring out what's right with my own hands. So mystery guy's like, all right, have it your way. You die, too. And just destroys the marionette puppet as it comes at him, just fills it full of giant obsidian shards immediately it falls to the ground in front of him and he's just like how sad this kind of magic can't and one of the mouths open you just see like the glimmer from it and he's like what and then mash is there and he says hi and then we just get a full page spread basically of mash punching this guy in the face and that's how the chapter ends really cool chapter i i like that i mean this is something i mean this is something you see in shonen all the time but mashal hasn't really done it yet of characters working together to overcome an evil dude and it's really nice that these guys are able to you know abel has learned his lesson basically now it's like hey you know it's worth empathizing with the weak and hey, when you do that, when you come together with people, it makes you stronger together. Mm-hmm. And then there's just a really nice note where, yeah, he's probably is overpowered. But then when Thorncrown guy is like, oh, ha, ha, how sad, Mash just <laughs> pops out of the mouth and bah! there's a great <laughs> moment <laughs> where Mash is like, hi. And there is a moment where he's just like, oh, <laughs> and then it's like the punch <laughs> to the face. Uh, look, I, I love this chapter. I thought this chapter was fantastic. Um and it is, has gone a long way into making that chapter from a couple of weeks ago even better, where you're just like, oh, are we really giving Lord Abel a redemption too? And I'm like, if you actually follow up on it, then yeah, I'm for it. it Mashal's greatest strength as a series thus far is simply that even though some of the times it does dumb things, it executes them all in at least an above average way. Nothing ever feels like it's really disappointing or lame, because then there's generally at least a follow-up to it. Nothing's just like a one done and abandoned. I just kind of really like the moment of, you know, him looking at Razor and just being like, yeah, you gave this guy purpose. He, you know, you finally gave him a reason to live. And the piss being like, 
go on, Abel, run. It's like, oh, you know what? Now even I kind of want to ship the two of you together. It's just just (laughs) great. And I don't know, MASH might be the best drawn action series in Jump right now. Because every time MASH punches somebody, you think I would get tired of this gimmick of like the full page spread this match hits somebody but every time it's so satisfying and looks fucking vicious yeah yeah i dig it yeah all right ayakashi triangle chapter 19 matsuri versus jinyo and then so uh matsuri came in to save suzu in the in the last chapter punched uh Su so 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 Sosuke. So so Sosuke? Was that it? It was something like that. Punch the Jinyo in the face. And uh now he says, It was foolish of you to hit me like that. Matri's like, What are you talking about? And then he looks down and he's like, My arm's gone. And like below the elbow, his hand just like fades into like ether. And then he's like, Oh no, wait, it, it's here. I just can't feel it it's it's gone limp and the genio explains i took the haku your vitality from your right arm i can devour the haku of those i touch you let your anger take over and rush forward you're no different from a beast a human should use your head so yeah even being attacked it's it's bad so things not looking good but we uh cut over to where shiragane is kind of rushing through with a weaker genio and is kind of like snatching at some of the tiny econ. Um, and uh, he's like, you know, some of these are nothings. They barely have any energy. So he must have get, been using them to actually gather information like a spy network. Should I have shared this information with Matsuri and Suzu? Nah, I'm the king of Ayakashi. It won't do to align myself with humans. And that's uh, going to stick, Nick. He will absolutely. never come to the aid of a he human. Sticks to that. Uh, fighting, fighting, fighting between Matsuri and it's Sosuke, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. I so. call him Shark Boy, and uh, she hasn't done Lava yet, but uh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl does seem like the appropriate two name combo for Matsuri and, and Shark Boy. Uh, so yeah, we see we see that uh, Nino Kuru, of course, is fighting some of the weaker Econ using his new Exorcist Ninja art. Thunder slash recoil, which appears to turn him into a super ball, basically, as he bounces around between them. Um, his little buddy is is like, oh, your jutsu is even effective in limited spaces. And he's like, eh, I couldn't ask you the most effective jumping points, so I'm still inexperienced. So he's downplaying his accomplishments. Um, and basically, we were, we're told, like, Ninokuru is working hard because since he was motivated in the battle with Garaku. So... Matsuri thinks to himself in this moment, you know, that's what an Exorcist Ninja has to do is turn a loss into a positive. So he snaps out uh, this his scabbard and it wraps around uh, Sosuke. Uh, and he's like, what, what the hell are you doing? And Matsuri thinks, well, Ayakashi are made of energy. They don't have a physical body. If I give and so if I damage him and it can't be regenerated, he will lose his shape and it'll disperse. So I just got to calm my mind, heighten my con, embed that in the air to become the wind. And he rushes forward with his sword as, as wind surrounds his body in this drill. 
which he declares his exorcist ninja art spiral thrust and goes straight towards Sosuke as he's bound up in the rope. And then a mouth opens and chomps through Matsuri's thigh. And I will say that each time we get the visual from here on of Matsuri's uh, Haku being bitten, it's like, here's Matsuri's naked, bouncy body with holes in it. So it's like, this is weird. Like, <laughs> Someone's jerking off to it. It's supposed to be sexual and concerning. <laughs> My favorite type of porn, sexually concerning. It's like... Mm, uh, ooh, 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 mm. Oh, ooh. <laughs> I hope that poor girl's okay. Ooh. So Matsuri, of course, is shocked by this. He's like, I can't feel my leg and uh, stumbles to the ground. And Sosuke's like, you're too gullible for your own good. I lied about being able to devour the haku of those I touch. It's done in a different way. Jinyo are the Aikashi most similar to humans. So you shouldn't trust me so easily. And just all these bites appear through Matsuri's Haku. Like his entire body gets chunks taken out of it uh, spiritually. And so as Matsuri passes out and falls to the ground, his last thought is run Suzu. As Suzu, of course, is watching. Screams out his name. And now Sosuke is like, your Haku tastes like that of the King of Ayakashi. Perhaps it's the effect of the gender swap awakened jutsu. Creepy observation. Uh, and he starts mocking Suzu, who's reacted in shock to Matsuri's defeat, saying, you can sense it. Haku is life energy that resides within the physical body. And I devoured almost all of his Haku. Matsuri Kazamaki is dead. I'm sure he's dead. It's going to stick. Yep. Suzu falls to her knees, starts crying, and all of a sudden Sosuke's like, yes, that's the expression I wanted to see. Your life force is getting tastier with sadness and despair. The ultimate dish is complete. And he stalks towards Suzu, and as he does so, just a mouth appears in the air in front of him with lips, which is is actually the creepiest part to me, is that you can see part of the lips because they're all luscious and stuff. And it's like, ew. So... The mouth goes towards Suzu, but then she vanishes. And, of course, Suzuki's like, what the hell? She disappeared. This Ayakashi energy, it belongs to. And he looks over at Matsuri's fallen form at the scroll that has now been unfurled and is burning up next to Matsuri's body. And it's the scroll that was used to seal away Shiragane, who is now there in his full King of Ayakashi giant cat form. And, of course... He took the chance while everyone was distracted and Matsuri was down to destroy the scroll. And he said, and so, so he's like, oh, so you released the scroll. That just makes you a petty thieving cat. And Shiragai says, nonsense. I am the king of Ayakashi. And, and that moment, the symbol of the seal, the gender swapping art seems to be ablaze on Matsuri's body. And seems to kind of be fading. So, hmm. I don't know. Um, this is something that I didn't expect to happen this early in this series. Was like, oh, Shiragane is free. That Okay. <laughs> that whole, um, that kind of tension between them suddenly seems like it's been imbalanced. So, it seems like we might get a brief disruption of the status quo here. Because I don't know if you can just go with this and then 
not completely change the dynamics between the characters. And it seems really early to do that. So, well, I think we might see some stuff happen, but you know, I don't think there's any lore in the series that says Matsuri can't just take an opportunity later to seal him back up and get back to some measure of a status quo. This might be a taste of something like that. Uh, And obviously, Chirigani's kind of gotten to a point where he's warming up to the characters, so it could even be kind of like a playful, like, oh no, I'm going, like, I'm sure he's not going to want to, but it might be like the step of their friendship opening up that it's not quite the same, like, antagonistic relationship just happening all over again. I I mean, who knows? Anything could, I guess, really happen. Obviously, the next chapter is going to be a big one to kind of see what some of the fallout is. But in my mind, I'm not too worried about shaking up the the formula of Jump's most successful series in like two years. So pretty much. Yeah, it's um, it was this is a pretty intense chapter. I mean, like I I know it upon is like it's weird that there's fan service here. It seems like there shouldn't be. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. there's there's the moment where uh, uh uh what's her name the the girl suzu suzu where suzu's supposed to be looking at matsuri's dead body and she's like falling to her knees and the wind lifts up yeah the wind lifts up her skirt just enough for a panty she was like not really the time for this <laughs> guys <laughs> time and place time and place just got done last chapter being like there was like barely any fan service in this because it recognized the situation was serious and it's like the situation is still serious but look at these boobs it's weird because you're like it's not even like an erotic shot so you you very easily could have cut it there's no reason you had to keep that in there or draw it to begin with uh yeah i mean like playing that aside like it's a pretty it's a pretty intense chapter and hey you've got that intrigue built up of like oh well how's this gonna go clearly shiragani and susuke are rivals and so they're going to fight each other but what'll happen after that is shiragani going to actually do this deliberately to protect suzu and matsuri probably but you know those Mm. are it's, it's a good chapter in the sense that like it leaves you asking those questions so how many arms is shiragani supposed to have Oh, it's uh, six. Okay, never mind. He's got the front paws, and then yeah, he's got the arm reaching out. So, you could yeah. you could see three R legs on the other side. Yeah, yeah. So okay. okay, it's six legs total. Got it. All right, Black Clover. Yeah, let's talk about Black Clover. Nick Page two hundred and seventy uh, together. So last time, uh, Asta defeated Sabretooth and uh, apparently actually just beat him because he's like, yeah. I win. And a bunch, of, <laughs> a bunch of magic happens and uh, seals him. And then, you know, Nature Boy Ric Flair shows up and he's like, all right, the preparations are now ready. You will have to make a contract from this position of total dominance. You make them your servant. Use their power. The devil has no right to infuse. Just think, obey me. And once you do, the devil will serve you as you're familiar, obeying all of your orders and observing the rules you set. And Ass is like, okay, in that case, be my friend. <laughs> And Nature Boy's like, huh? Sabretooth's like, fucking what? <laughs> it, it's weird to say this, but like, Asta's recently become like, the right way you do Shiki. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if, I don't know if Black Clover necessarily got better so much as uh, Eden Zero has torn down my, my expectations and standards. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it might be, yeah, like, you know, your sta- our standards have kind of been lowered as to what the worst version of a shonen protagonist could be. But this is actually a very endearing thing mm-hmm. that 
Asta just went through this with his enemy and was given the opportunity to make them his never have to worry about them again slave. And he was just like, be my friend. Yeah. Like, I mean, it is still weird to order him to be your fl- friend, but I I understand Asta doesn't understand some of the ramifications and they don't seem to be playing into it. He's like, no, you genie wish motherfucker. Now I have to always be your friend no matter what happens. And... <laughs> You think Asta is ever going to like, well, this Asta is the same person who her like, will use blood magic to take control of the Diamond King. And that like, sounds like yeah, a good that idea. Good. <laughs> smart, smart. I never would have thought of that. <laughs> uh, I know it's not an actual binding order. I'm just making a joke. Um, so Major Borick Flair is just like, wait, are you attempting to make an equal contract with the devil you want to be friends? That's like, yeah, you know, it's the reason, you know, we have been able to fight all this time. So even though, you know, it's just that everything we've been to together, I didn't know anything. So I just want to know more about him. So I'll start by making friends. Fire's like, what are you talking about? You have no guarantee the devil will listen to you. You have no merit in a contract like that. And Asa kind of points out, like, yeah, but this guy wasn't even fighting seriously to begin with. He kept saying, kill, and I'm going to kill you. And then he was clearly holding back the entire time. So you're not the type who can will kill people, right? You you can hate or be sad for somebody else's sake. And in that case, we can, be, uh, we can get along. You know, we, we, we can be equals. And the little demons that surround uh, Nature Boy Flair show up, and they're just like, he's an idiot! And you know, Rick Flair's like, yes, he is. Besides, it looks like uh, he says that as Asta's like, you know, let's we got same enemies, so let's crush those bad guys together. Sabretooth's like, you really are an idiot. And then thinks, I don't know whether Destiny exists or not, but this guy, and we get a kick flashback to when uh, Sabretooth was given his name. It's weird. She doesn't say Sabretooth, but that's his name is Sabretooth. And... Uh, as as he's watching, he's like, this guy really is, as we see two panels of, of Lacida and Asta next to each other, Lacida's kid. Heh <laughs> The name Sabretooth. Yes. I'm never going to explain to the audience who's not in the Discord, by the way, why I call him Sabretooth. I'm just going to leave that for you to try to figure out. <laughs> Until, until the refresh myself when I look at look it up, but yeah, it's um <laughs> until the day that I forget why I call them that, and I'm like, I don't know, just up right. Where was I? <laughs> um, yeah, um, so they're they're friends now, which mm-hmm. is not all that surprising. I do like the moment actually when they shake hands and then the sigil appears on both of their arms. It's like, oh, yeah, yep. there's a there's a bond there now. Yep. Um, but <laughs> this does confirm that. Yep. Asta is that 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 girl's kid makes sense. Um, yep. All right. Yep. Okay. So there we go. We got that so confirmation. Who was Asta's mother? Oh, she was the girl that uh, met his devil before. Mm-hmm. And who is Asta's devil? Uh, he's some weak devil who <laughs> met Asta's mother. And who's Asta's mother? <laughs> <laughs> it just goes on forever. Uh, so Asta gets his arm back. They bonded together. Nature Boy Flair says the contract's complete, and that was very silly. Who would have thought you were that foolish? But you chose right, and he has actually a very relieved and happy look on his face. And uh, all the little devils around him start cheering. They're like, ha-ha, we're up! And, uh, and he's like, you know, people who are right aren't necessarily rewarded. And so 
Get stronger in order to keep yourself from losing to unjust evil. And uh, he turns into what many people have described as a Bloodborne character. I agree. I've also been playing Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion, and that is 100% the character miniature for Hatchet. I uh, To the point where I was like, no, no, it, it, it can't be. <laughs> My dreams aren't coming to reality, and there's a Gloomhaven manga. Uh, but Nature Boy Flair is just like, from this point on, what you call training quit begins in earnest. Both of you come at me and defeat me. And uh, boss music presumably plays. So, uh, Nach's new look is like if you go into the character creation scene, you click all of the aesthetic options. So, mm -hmm. like, yeah, and I want a chain collar, mm -hmm. and then I want clawed gloves, and I want a mantle, and I want five belts, and I want a hat, and I want my hat to have wings <laughs> and feathers. And horns. <laughs> I want a hat and horns. Yeah. <laughs> but that said, he still looks really cool. He looks he looks very cool right now. I, I legitimately a very cool looking design. So overall, I'm 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 very pleased with this chapter. Uh, it's you know I mean it's not too big a surprise to Lauren's like oh a black clover character isn't nearly as bad as they as first appeared. Um, and uh, but yeah, it's. It's nice that he's like, yeah, you know, you made the right choice, but hey, that's only one part of it. Let's keep going and I'll, I'm going to fucking whip your ass so that you'll get stronger. Check me out. So it's good. Mm -hmm. All right. One Piece chapter 994. My other name is Yamato. Uh, oh, the uh, cover page of this is the. Ba -da 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 -da. All my oh, friends are here. Friends are here. <laughs> Uh, the cover page of this chapter is the finale of the gang page side story. Hooray. Mm -hmm. So I remember happened, I think. Yeah. Uh, Lola married Beige's lieutenant, I think, or one of the characters in his group. I actually don't know if it was his lieutenant or not. And Pound was still alive. Last time. Kiku's arm got chopped off by an invisible blade launched by Kaido's roar. She seems to take this well. <laughs> dude, you know, I was legitimately kind of like, dude, I get it why people are going to be bummed because Okiku, you know, one, she's a cool character or representation in One Piece in a, you know, medium that doesn't have a ton of representation. So the fact that she's the one who gets taken out first is a bummer. But she is a fucking hard bitch. She gets her arm cut off, and they're like, you okay? She's like, of course. And she gets up, and she's fucking ready to fight again. I was like, that's a fucking badass move right there. Yeah. Kinemon uh, immediately cauterizes the wound, which is just like, oh. And she's like, no, I'm not going into shock. Let's do this. Yeah, let's, let's go. <laughs> bitch, I didn't hear no bell ring, too. Ding, ding. Kaido uh, finds this uh, pleasing. He laughs and he says, that's it. That sense of determination. I love the way of the samurai. It's so kawaii, Desu. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> but uh, he, he says, Roger, Whitebeard, they did it right. None of this bullshit. <laughs> so, so he, he, so he's, uh, I'm not even going to go there. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I could easily make a comparison. I'm not going to bother. But uh, so 
he transforms back into his big ass human form and he says may not be the way of the times anymore but death is what completes a person isn't that true so let's end this now but Kimon is just like don't be conceited Kaido there is no glory in losing to you which is an amazing put down actually <laughs> like, yeah. it would be there would be no honor in us losing to your stupid ass <laughs> Uh, we cut around a bit on the tower as Luffy is trying to make his way up to the top so he can be the one to actually beat Kaido. Jinbei and Sanji are with him and people are reacting like, oh, look, it's Straw Hat and Jinbei. And Sanji kicks someone and is like, hey, why didn't you miss- mention me? Which, you know, fair enough. Um, more Animal Kingdom Pirates headliners show up and I feel so bad for both of these guys. <laughs> so the less unfortunate of them is hamlet who has the giraffe smile fruit and he's his body is coming from a giraffe's neck which i'm sure is awkward but you know what that's okay fortrix though he's on the backside of a of of a chicken and his head is where the asshole should be Oh God! It's just just a hellish existence, and I I, I love that we get. He better these. hope that chicken never gets hungry, because eight hours later he will be very sad. Yeah, he has to lay an egg. At one point, he's just like, "Oh God!" Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, I do love that they introduce these characters, you know, Hamlet and Fortrix, and they have these stupid designs, and they are immediately one shot by Jinbei and Luffy, who are just like. You guys are stupid. Get out of here. And that's it. They're gone and defeated and presumably never relevant to the story of One Piece again. Also, Fortress goes, when he's kicked. Uh, Hamlet goes, Raph. Because <laughs> no one knows what sound giraffes make. But <laughs> he had to make a guess. <laughs> he's like, they say their names, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what he made a call I, I'm proud of him <laughs> he's like oh we're doing our animal announce um uh, um giraffe giraffe <laughs> and he like falls to the guy he's like I hope no one noticed <laughs> that sounded cool right yeah 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 we <laughs> We know how giraffes drink, but nobody knows what sound they make. <laughs> Hang on, I gotta go back and listen. And go, I gotta go back and watch the Lion King again and find out what they sound like. Oh, it didn't cut to them making noise in that scene, damn it. Like, the next day, he goes to a zoo, he brings everyone, and he's like, alright, just listen to it. And, like, the giraffe makes noise. He's like, see? Clearly said rap. That's absolutely rap. what he said. <laughs> he's quietly like, rap. See, he just said it. He just said it. You saw him, he just said it. <laughs> Neither of us are big enough theater nerds to make some actual Hamlet jokes. We're just like, that's ah, Raph. It's just so funny that he says Raph. He was like, I need the sound that Giraffe makes. I can't say nothing. <laughs> Do you think that Kaku would meet this guy and be like, you know, I'm less happy with being a giraffe <laughs> Oh boy, I'm gonna miss you, Hamlet. <laughs> One page character. <laughs> All right, 
we cut briefly to the performance floor, people are dealing with the horrible plague that Queen has unleashed upon them. And so people are, and some of the pleasures are, you know, maniacally laughing, but they're also like, why did you do this to us? And Queen's like, what? who cares? You guys are going to be useful now. <laughs> he's, he's such a dick. So, of course, everyone's trying to fight them off without actually touching them. Um, one of the mob bosses has been infected, Omasa, and he's begging Hyogro to kill him so that he won't spread the virus any further. And he's like, I don't want to be a monster. And Hyogro's like, no, there must be a cure. And I'll cut you down, but never end it yourself. Because the guy's about to commit seppuku when he realizes that he's infected. Uh, but Hyogro's like, no, no, I'll, I will cut you down when the time is right. But don't give up hope yet, basically. Uh, brothers are fighting against each other, I guess. Um, and then we get into a circle of Brooke and uh, Robin and Chopper. And the latter two don't use weapons normally, so they've got two by fours because, <laughs> because so gotta stay away from them. Yeah. So they're trying to fend everyone off who's been infected so that they don't get touched. Uh, but Chopper, of course, being a doctor, is like, "Look, I can make an antidote, but doing it in the midst of battle is practically impossible." But unlike back in Udon, the mastermind mind behind the virus is right here. Whoever cultivates the virus must also have the antibodies. If we can get those, then I can make a ton of medicine. So, Brooke's like, all right, well, it has to be a lead performer. So, stealing the antidote won't be a tall task. So, as they're thinking about this, and people are fighting, and Zoro's cutting down people and stuff, uh, Chopper's basically saying how terrible all of this is, because he's like, you know, this is bad while they're going out of control, but the after effects are going to be even worse. You know, it's this is making everyone ferocious, their muscle mass is increasing, and it's freezing their skin. The body can't handle that type of stress. Um, so they're like, well, what can we do? And because Bravo points out if we infect, if we were to abandon the infected and Queen gets on a megaphone, he's like, ah, they'll die. And if you get infected, you'll last an hour at best. Who has been turned into an ice Odie? Your friend? Your boss? Your subordinate? Mahaha! They might be as strong and lively as they've ever been in their lives. Make sure you hug them one last time before they go. What an asshole. Oh, he's so. a dick, yeah. <laughs> At that point, Scratch Apu is... He wants to leave, basically. <laughs> he's like, I'm done with this. <laughs> so he's he's like, this floor sucks. <laughs> This sucks. I don't want to be around all these sick people. I'm going to hang out with Hap Hamlet and talk to him about what sounds giraffes make. <laughs> he would be interested in sounds, wouldn't he? Yeah. He's like, how am I going to summon a giraffe if I don't know the onomatopoeia for it? Yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden, Queen's like, hey, Apu. <laughs> he tosses him a vial. He's like, those are the antibodies for the Isodi sickness thing. If they take them from you, I'm going to kill you. Uh, so play keep away. <laughs> let's play some freeze tag <laughs> it is everyone wants to go and get the antibodies from Apu now that's that's the situation they're in on the performance floor it is interesting because the way One Piece has worked previously uh, in these big arcs there's usually like a clear dynamic of one and two so you know in Alabasta there was literally Mr. One and Mr. Two in um oh god what is it uh Enos Lobby, there was the Rokoku or whatever that measured your strength, and it was Luchi at one, and then Kaku at two, and Jayabura at three. Um, 
in this one we have Kaido himself, and then we have you know card rankings of King, Queen, and Jack. So generally, in in previous versions, you would be like, okay, so Zoro will fight Mister One, and Sanji will fight Mister Two, because that's kind of how mm-hmm. indirectly the universe has paired them. The mindset would be Zoro would fight King, King or Sanji would fight uh, Queen. But right now, Sanji's on a different floor, and mm-hmm. Zoro's on the floor with Queen. So, who knows? I, and I, Sanji I, had that run-in with King a few chapters ago as well. Yeah, I mean... Invisible, and King and, caught him. Yeah, anything could happen. I mean, at the same time, they also gave us last time the the twist of like, hey, you know, Sanji's gonna fight against Khalifa, and then, you know, later on, oh, wow, he's gonna fight Jaiabara for Usopp. But, you know, I, I'm wondering if like how we're going to get to those places or if it is just going to be someone here was going to fight queen because i mean some people brought up like it'd be kind of fitting if if chopper were to fight him you Mm -hmm. know well we'll see yep all right then we cut over to where yamato is shinobu has been struck by arrows protecting momonosuke yamato is now staring down the entire armor division of uh the uh headliners and so they're all kind of staring down Yamato, and they're saying, hey, do you really think you can get away with them? Because, you know, you'd be burdened by an, a, a large adult woman with one piece's weird size differences. So hmm. uh, Yamato briefly looks over Shinobu, a tusk guy whose name I'm not going to remember. Forget it. Uh, is like, hey, all we got to do is kill the boy and our mission's complete. Shinobu's like. Please save Lord Momonosuke. I'm begging you. And Yamato says, I'm going to save you too, Shinobu. I saw you 20 years ago at the execution of Kozuki Odin. There's a cool, cool little shot where we see like a young Yamato, but wearing the Oni mask we saw them wearing earlier. So we don't actually get to see what they looked like back then. Um, and Shinobu was, you know, shocked to hear this, but, you know, Yamato was there when Shinobu shouted out everyone for daring to call Odin a fool and Yamato says, your words brought tears to my eyes. The life of Kozuki Odin brought tears to my eyes. And boom, <laughs> a bunch of explosions hit him while he's standing, making this declaration in front of them. And then he just kind of keeps going because he's got a speech <laughs> to make. <laughs> he's like, I started. I'm going to fucking finish it. OK, come on. He said, he says, Momonosuke, on that terrible day, I ran to Kuri to save your life. But I'm sorry. All I could do was watch as Kaido dangled you over the edge. Back then, I didn't have the strength. And then he rushes in toward one of the army units and just bonks him into the wall. And goes on to say, because Momonosuke is like, who are you? Yamato says, I used your father's name earlier. But my other name is Yamato. And I would die for you. Cool. It's a very cool moment. Very cool moment. There is something very cool about being struck by an explosion and continuing your badass speech to inspire this child, basically. is It's a very cool yeah. moment. And also, when you get a good look at him afterwards, you see it's like, yeah, there's some, you know, scorch marks, but he looks, <laughs> it doesn't really look like he got hit by a bomb. So. Didn't really bother him that much. So... Uh, yeah, a couple of different cool things in this chapter, and it's nice to see, you know, obviously we had the stuff going on with Kaido, and there were some cool moments there, but it actually does feel like 
more facets of this big uh, faction warfare thing going on are starting to heat up in interesting ways. So, hmm. all right, that's gonna yeah. do it. That's that's it. That's that's everything this week. So, uh, all right, so we had to get to our MVP and chapter of the week. Yeah. Um, there was a lot. I mentioned on Twitter there were a lot of really good candidates for character of the week this week. Um. And it's hard to just pick one. Um, I think my chapter of the week, this is probably a little bit of bias, but I'm, I'm going to give it to Mashal. I really, really enjoyed the chapter. I say that just because there were a lot of really good chapters. Honestly, probably it might actually be Kaiju number eight, but I, I feel like I want to give it to, to Mashal because it's really, really good. Uh, and my character of the week is going to be Power. Um, just because who knows, that might be the last time we ever see power in that form again. Hmm. Um, I'm going to partially agree with you. I'm also going to say power. Okay. Uh, you said, uh, this Sunday when all the chapters dropped, that it was going to be kind of difficult to choose a character because a lot of them really stood out this week. Uh, Yamato, obviously in the chapter, we just went out, went on over, uh, Ichikawa had his big, his big moments as mm-hmm. well. Um, then we've got, you know, the backstory that happens in, in Mashal. So a lot of different a lot of different things that you could you could uh, give the nod to. But I th- I do think that power, I mean, like because the chapter is all about her and her friendship with Denji and the fact that, you know, that character that we knew through so much of the series is being so selfish has basically sacrificed herself in order to bring Denji back and the way she did it was by making him want their friendship back mm. and reminding him of, of how important it was by acknowledging how important it was to her. And that's very sweet. Um, and it's nice to see that heart that lies beneath all of the weirdness and the weird gross outs and the shocks and the bizarre humor that Chainsaw Man is uh, so associated with. My chapter of the week, however, is going to go to Spy Family. I thought it was very cute. Uh, I also thought that there were a lot of good jokes in it. And uh, I thought it was just really good from beginning to yeah. end. So. Okay. I completely get For a moment, I thought you, like, in my mind, I just attached spy and family. And I was like, Mission just her a family. Nick, it was, this was barely an okay chapter. <laughs> uh, I, don't remember if I, I don't remember if I read it this week. I haven't been reading it every, every week. So. You haven't been missing much. Anyways, the audience, by the way, also agreed power is the MVP. And Chainsaw Man is the chapter of the week. Uh, it was a lot of different picks, though, for chapter of the week. I, I see a lot for World Trigger, for Ayakashi Triangle, for Spy Family. So a lot of different series had pretty strong weeks this week. Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry. I uh, I forgot that uh, I read We Never Learned this week as a Kirisu fan. So Kirisu, she, she was in a bikini and she uh, was in a towel. So, mm-hmm. Kirisu, yeah. So, yes, Kirisu's breasts, obviously... MVP, but it's so un it's so spoken of it's better to leave it unspoken and let somebody else have the limelight. Cause like look, yes. if the Patriots keep winning the Super Bowl, then no one else gets to win a Super Bowl. So let's just have them be bad for a year and let someone else have a chance. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> that's gonna do it for a week of my recap. I nearly died. All of a sudden. <gasps> no, Nick, not now. Not on the home stretch. Okay, okay, with the finale with its and I don't know if I can um so thank you guys for joining us for Weekly Manga Recap. We record the show here on twitch.tv slash Wednesday evenings around 730 Eastern time. 
Uh, but to get an exact update on when we're starting the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Rolotin and at Nick of Time are your hosts. At WMR Podcast is the official podcast account. Uh, you can also join us on our Discord server. Uh, we send out a notification for that. And also that's a good place just to kind of like join us for discussions on a bunch of different things. Uh, there is a great community associated with the Discord uh, channel. You can use that to find the Google Doc that Ninja X3i maintains where we keep track of all the recommendations and all the stats and everything. Uh, very, very good resource if you're wondering if a series has been recommended to us, if we've ever talked about a manga before. That has the history of everything in the getting close to a decade we've been doing this show uh Uh, speaking of recommendations i'm going to go ahead and let you guys know what we're going to be covering next on this podcast uh it is a show that uh, has gotten a little bit of attention because it's uh it's a it's a quirky series that got an anime relatively recently and a second season of the anime is coming this coming season that is cells at work the uh Characters are blood cells and various other body cells. and Like Osmosis Jones. No, not that. <laughs> Never been done. Shut up. You. <laughs> like, uh, like the cartoon animated TV series. It was a movie first. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I only recognize the TV show. It was actually pretty good. <laughs> I've heard it was. I, I think it was one of those ones. I feel like even as a kid, I was like, I haven't seen the movie, so I'm not going to understand the plot. Click. It changed. <laughs> it start, they're in a completely different person for the show than they were for the movie. <laughs> I feel like Basically, Bill Murray had nothing to do with a Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> I really look. I was like, I can't follow all this lore if I haven't seen the movie. I'll get to it. Click. Oh, God. So, uh, what was I going to say? Cells at work. (laughs) Cells at work. That's going to be the series we cover next time. So, yeah. Um, What else do we have to do? I want to give special thanks to people who support us on Patreon. You can check us out. Patreon.com slash Weekly Manga Recap. That's where we create bonus content for you guys to enjoy. We should be doing an As Explained by Manga coming up soon with a special guest. Uh, you can also check out all of our previous episodes on weeklymangarecap.podbean.com. I uh, want to give special thanks to people who help us out to make the show what it is, such as Steve Manor, Tower Artist, Infamous Planet, who makes the frame for the visual stream of the show, Milo Jack Stillitz and Winslow Cheddar, who create the opening theme for Weekly Manga Recap, and all of you for helping us out and listening to the show and, you know, just giving us feedback and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's much appreciated. All right. Are we headed out? I think that I've just covered everything. I want to all say right. Yeah. Let's hit that old dusty trail, everybody. Oh, I don't need all my friends have to go away now. Oh, I'm sad. <laughs> but Nick, all my girlfriends are here now. <laughs> now cream puffs. And no, curious. yeah. And now uh, that one. You're trying to make up for all the one you forgot to do before. Yeah. Well, I'm also seeing what new stuff they have. I could be. The gates of hell, I guess. <laughs> I don't really know what this it's, one. It looks like they started to draw walls and then they were like, make it Halloween. And so they put jack-o'-lanterns on it, too. Well, there's you can see there's like a gate with fire and death yeah. behind me. So I don't know. It's 
round. That'd be great if Skype was like, you know, we want to give a couple options so people are going to be using our product now and they're going to have to be participating in meetings. So, you know, here's one where we get to pretend they're in their apartment. Here's a, an alternate view from that same apartment. Hear them at their workplace. Uh, and in case you really want to spice it up, here's you with the gates of Hades. <laughs> like, I don't... Because <laughs> you really want to spice up that Halloween meeting. Uh, yeah, and so the third quarter reports are just coming in, and uh, what do you think about this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, goodbye, everybody. All right.